rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. All right, hold on. Yes, there you go. That's the button. Hi, my name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for hanging out. Hopefully the audio sounds good. Okay, you can hear me. Audio helps. Sometimes I don't have audio. <laughs> now to Tara Buster, now with audio, featuring audio. That's good. Who? Everybody can have audio. Every podcast, all your run-of-the-mill podcasts have audio. Try doing a podcast without audio. And having people tune in. Now that's the mark of success. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out. Where the heck? I just heard Francis, I mean, uh, Ray, meowing. Yes, thanks for hanging out. My name is Tara Devlin, and this is Unapologetic Liberal Talk. And and we have some cats here, too. So you know that. Actually, there's a cat sitting right here on the keyboard. So God knows what'll... Some things never change, but all of a sudden there might be a cat. Um typing on the keyboard who knows maybe they're they'll they might be able to do a better job at uh at the show than i anyway whatever what am i talking about i'm i really do wish that aliens would land already and just take take this shit over again i know there's that whole conspiracy theory that it, we are human beings are we're seeded by aliens as a big terran, ter what is that? A terrarium experiment? Cool, great. See, he's already t touching the keyboard. Stop. Great, come and get us. Wouldn't that be nice? Finally, you know, it's like mommy's home. All right, I can relax a little. <laughs> I don't know. Let mommy take care of me for a while. All right, guys, we got a problem. So, all right, let me just go through the, you know, the standard. We meet here. We have a regularly scheduled show on Saturday evenings from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. And we're rebroadcast starting Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Progressive Voices. We're also on Verdant Square Radio, which is another liberal podcast station. If you want to check out some of their original programming, I do. I I know that's all I do all day is listen to listen to podcasts, listen to the news. All right, I'm going to have to put the cat down. He keeps messing things up. We'll put him over here. So we can still see. All right, you sit there. Cuz everybody wants to see you. You sit. You sit. All right? Stay. Stay. They don't listen. All right. And we're also on FYI Nation. And soon we will be on Rockfin, which I'm very excited about. I just have to get my shit together and get on there. And we're going to have to, we're going to do some original shows on Rockfin. Of course, Tara Jr. Jr. leaves. Where the heck are you? All right. You know what he did the other day? I was standing here. I have a standing desk now, thankfully, because my back was killing me sitting at the desk for so many hours. And it does help. But I was standing here, and I guess he's used to jumping on my lap. And he jumped on my leg, 
and attached himself to my leg, and he, he did some damage. It, it hurts. Love hurts sometimes. So thank you, JD, for your super chat. And also thank you, f everyone, for your patronage, or those who, uh, who can afford to be a patron. I really appreciate that. Um, it will keep us going and keep us growing. I know that we've, uh, we've, <laughs> I don't know, I'm trying not to take it personally, but we've been kind of bleeding patron patrons, patrons for, um, I guess, it might be the holidays, maybe. I And I do, it's not about taking it personally. I do think to myself, I hope it's not anything, not just that I said or whatever, but I hope it's something that... I hope it's not something that something happened in their lives. You know what I mean? Th that they lost their jobs or something. You know what I mean? So I'd rather them be pissed off at me than have you know, yet another person struggling in this country, which everybody is. We're um, yeah, we're li we're living in the United States of serfs and lords, so I get it. It's not easy, and I do hate having to constantly say, please become a patron and blah, 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 but, oh, well, we don't have big billionaire benefactors. That's how it goes. They don't have to do this on Diamond and Silk because they're sponsored by billionaires, and hence, here we are being divided and conquered. It really is a big sham um all right let's just get into it oh i also before i have to say i want to thank resin rebel for her patronage she became the the newest patron thank you very much tonight is sponsored by resin rebels patronage and yeah thank you she's a new patron and others there are I, I could see, I don't know, why is all these deleted patrons happening? What's going on? Send me an email. Hopefully, I hope you're okay. All right. Um, what was I saying? So, you see what's going on. 17 states right now. Well, Ted Cruz. I don't know if you've been watching, but Ted Cruz, how does somebody like Ted Cruz support... Twitler. I this is this goes to show you exactly who these republicans are. And and I was thinking today as I was watching the whole decline of the American Republic today's events in the decline uh, I kept thinking how I've been I've, I've been saying this for years that Republicans are an anti-democratic death cult, that they have no interest in democracy. And every single day, they prove me correct. So they used to have to pretend to, uh, to be, um, you know, to, I don't know, what's the word? They, to love democracy? They used to have to pretend that they were on board with the whole uh, American experiment thing. And... Now they're crossing the line. Like they don't even have to pretend anymore. So there used to be a time where the Republicans always had to give lip service to democracy. They had to 
proclaim themselves the champions of it. And I noticed that started to wane, especially now. See, this, what we're seeing happening, the, the end of the American Republic, that this is exactly where we were always going to end up. It's only that Donald Trump, he, he put it on overdrive. He got us here a lot sooner than I, I actually expected. For, but we were on the same path when Bush was sworn in despite receiving fewer votes and all of, all of the assaults on the pillars of democracy. Now, Joe Biden is picking his cabinet. One of the cabinet positions is um, the head of the Pentagon. Wait, hold on. I need to look this up. The pants, I had it open, but that's what happens when you allow cats on the screen. Uh, so it's yet another general in the as uh, Joe Biden's Pentagon as for his pick uh, to be the Pentagon chief. And he will require a waiver. All of the, the things that, all of the lines that have been crossed, this is yet another line. So you notice how Twitler needed a, a waiver for his, uh, his chief. And uh, now we're, Joe Biden is using yet another member of the military. There's a reason why we have civilian leadership. Because the founders understood the danger of military coups. And if you go back in history, it's also <laughs> how the, mil you know, the, the soldiers themselves would have, um, they would be loyal to the general or their, whoever was leading them and not to the state. And part of what uh, the decline of the Roman Republic was when Caesar crossed the Rubicon with his legion, and they weren't um, they were loyal to him, not not the state, not the republic. So, it's, is it okay when Twitler crosses the line, and then Joe Biden does the same thing? Oh, it's because it's Joe Biden, but. That's really the least of our problems right now. I'm just pointing it out. How once these so-called norms are violated, it's not a norm. The, and it's sort of the same way we have to be hypervigilant against fascism in general. How we don't let somebody shaming us, um, saying, oh, well, as soon as you s use the Nazi word, the N-word... In, in that way, that N-word, you've lost the argument as if, you know, it didn't matter um, the 75 years ago that how fascism almost, well, it did kill 55 million human beings, but um, almost take over the world. So all of these norms that are violated, once you, once you cross that, line there's no going back unless you deliberately consciously re reestablish 
the uh, you know the precedent. So, um, it is it is happening. So tonight, I'm sure you've been watching uh, what's going on. You know, seven. This this actually happened today, not too long ago. Seventeen states. are going to tell 17 states tell the Supreme Court they support Texas's bid to reverse Biden's win. So now we have passed. You see what's happening with the Republicans? We've passed them even giving lip service to democracy. They're not they don't they don't feel the need to give lip service lip service to an election. It's the same thing. It's not just the principle of democracy that they're not abiding by. They're not even abiding by the, the action of, of an election. And it really does, like everything else with these right-wingers, it comes ba- down to racism. They're only a, a able to get away with, with their with their their right-wing fascist trump anzi base to get away with trying to nullify the vote because they're nullifying the vote of people with darker pigment. That's what are, where it's starting. Of course, white people are getting caught in, the, in that fray too, but it's as if people... You know, that, it's deliberate. That's why they're... Cause they're saying that it's um, Philadelphia. Oh, a lot of bad things happen in all of these primarily um, quote unquote minority neighborhoods. Philadelphia. A lot of bad things happen here. Like what? It what comes what it comes down to is yet again that the right wing they have no problem with democracy as long as they're at the top and everyone else is in their place not participating there they have we have never had a functioning democracy it's always been aspirational and the closer we got to uh, demanding seats at the table that's when the republicans the well the conservatives freak out and there is no finding common ground with the American, uh, well, I don't even know. What do we call them? I call them the Republican Party. They're the, um, the, the greed-centered death cult, the GOP fascists. I, I call them many names. But they're an irredeemable greed-centered death cult. They're not... A legitimate political party. So there is no finding common ground with these people anymore. You understand? Just like they want to nullify an election because they can't handle the fact that we are a culturally diverse nation, that we are a nation of immigrants. Unless you're a Native American, you or your ancestors came from somewhere else. This isn't about blood and soil as much as they want to turn it into that, because they're Nazis. I, I can't even believe that in the, in, the sh- in the four short years that Twitler's squatted in the White House, all of the, the Nazi things that we've seen break out in this country, 
from coddling them, to encouraging them, to electing them, to voting for them, right? How did we witness in an American city a bunch of incels marching around saying Jews will not replace us and chanting blood and soil, a chant directly from the goddamn Nazis. They don't have to hide it anymore. A lot of bad things happen in Philly. A lot of bad things. What? They, They don't vote Republican? They actually want to have a more perfect union? E pluribus unum? Um, they don't know their place, is that it? So, my, I've been saying this for years, and we talk about it on the show. Either we start, we, we have to start, because we never, um, we have to actualize the promises of, uh, of democracy, of the American experiment, for all. And we have to do that deliberately and purposefully, without apology, Either we do this, and that includes taxing the rich. It includes an, an, a, a, the whole e pluribus unum as an action plan. That should be our rallying cry. We don't leave anybody behind, we, and this is what we talk about here, but this is the remedy. So what we're seeing, 17 states join Trump in a lawsuit to nullify the election. Well, get the fuck out. This is what I think. 17 states? Well, haven't I been saying this for years? Well, maybe not years, but, well, maybe I have. Have I been saying this for years about seceding? Probably, in one form or another. I'm not into this whole, we have to remain uniform. Why do we have to remain um, the United States. What? Let's be the Federated States. You can have your Trump and Z states, and okay, we'll help you for a few years. We'll have a loose federation. You can have your Articles of Confederation back, whatever the f you want to do. But you're you're the, how many? How many times do we have to? Have uh, do we have to try? It's like being in a horrible relationship. How you're not a victim anymore. You're a volunteer because why? The fact is, the United States. This is how they they the right wingers always say, "Oh, we're so big. We're too big to do anything." Like as if that means anything. What it means is that they don't want to have a functioning society. We're too big to have universal health care. Bullshit. We're too big. We're just uh, too big and diverse. Well, if that's the case, then break this shit up because I, for one, and I'm sure you are too, I am sick of being under the tyranny of a anti-democratic death cult minority who doesn't even feel the need anymore to even pretend to, to, to be... Um, you know, uh, to be a whatever, to, to love this country. I'm trying to find the words. They don't even have to pretend. 
that they're interested in a peaceful transfer of power? A peaceful transfer of power is for pussies, apparently. It's not for strong men like like Trump and Putin and and Duterte and Erdogan and Muhammad bin Bonesaw, all of his pals. That's the kind of country they want. How much longer are we going to take it? Now, I know that there are normal people living in the 17 states. Of course there are. And the fact that the Republicans, they're, they're a minority party. They have to gerrymander and rig and ensure that people don't vote or that if they do, their votes aren't counted. That's how they, quote-unquote, win. They don't win. They win by losing. They're losers. And they're, they have never been interested in democracy. I've been saying this for years. I mean, it's kind of, uh, we must be in denial. You know what I mean? Not us, but a lot of Americans are in denial. We think that because we are a United States, that's what we are. We have these 50 whatever states and territories, and we have to, um, we have to, we must remain together. That's not, a ne- that's not necessarily true. We don't have to remain a 50 states. If it's not workable, break it up. They had to do that with the Roman Empire, right? The Eastern Empire, the Western Empire, let's do that. Then you can have your Twitler, and we can have a civilization. And then we'll put it to a vote. You want to be with the normal people? You want to go with the Trumpanzees, with the morons? Whatever you want. And then get the F out. I'll even propose, we'll use our, okay, we'll give you a bridge loan, you know? You don't have to pay that. It'll be be fine. Just get the fuck out. You know, that'll be the price of our freedom. Just, uh, we will still pay our blue state dollars. We'll still pay to, to prop up your failed states and your meth labs, but... Yeah, that will come to an end. And then those who want a functioning democracy, who are capable of living in a diverse country, who aren't idiots, who understand that when, you know, when our diverse community, when parts of our diverse community are hurting, we don't go, uh, oh, well, uh, a few I'm talking about Black Lives Matter. We won't, we we don't spit in people's faces because um, they don't get in their place. We we move forward together because we that's that's the sign of strength, and this is the only way we're going to we're going to survive as a country. Now, these are the options. I am not kidding. You know this. You know this is the truth, whether they want to believe it or not. They want to... I don't know why we have this need to stay together. Fuck it. After a while, you're like, no, you know what? I, I would rather... Wouldn't you rather have a functioning 
government that isn't run by a tyrannical greed-centered death cult that is ultimately the goal is to destroy democracy for the few. That's what it's about. It, that is it in a nutshell, as it always has been. They've never wanted a democracy, clearly. Never, ever. There were, even when it was just white men voting, it was, they had to make sure it was only white men, white male property owners or white male, the rich, you know, the poor, F, whatever. They didn't have, they, some, what, all men are created equal, some are more equal than others. That's really what it came down to. So when black men, first it was, you know, black men get a seat at the table, a little bit. They, this, I mean, and in, on paper, then women want a seat at the table. White women. All women, I suppose, at that time, but not just white women. That's when the f- real freak out begins. Well, it's all, but it's never been. See, I'm, I'm uh, arguing with myself here because really it's always been about oligarchy and con- you know, just concentrating wealth and power in the hands of a few. That is what it's about, as it has been from time immemorial. That's it. It's not, they have no, the people that we're witnessing uh, undermine this democracy, destroy it. They're not just undermine. I mean, the undermining has been going on for my entire life. That's, they've been undermining, which I like that word, actually. You know where that comes from? I'm sure you already know when the, it comes from military tactics of, of the ancient world and not just ancients, I guess throughout history, when you, when they would siege a town or city that had a wall, you would send in the diggers to undermine the wall. And then the wall would collapse. You know what I mean? So that's an interesting, everything is interesting. History is so interesting, isn't it? And it's all connected. Everything is connected. We're here, I mean, we're all connected. So how can we, how can we handle these assholes? How do we deal with them? Nicely? Do you really? Oh, I want to, here's, here, here. Oh, thank you, Jim, for your super chat. And thank you, Errol, for your super chat. MAGA 2020 has failed. Yes, failed. It's it's always failed. What is so shocking to me is that, I think, look at my head hurts. You know what's shocking? How, how are they so stupid? What is it? Well, here, okay, I'm answering my question again. I'm processing this in real time. Okay, this is like what happens with my therapist when I have to get in touch with my feelings. It's, they... Are they stupid? Are the Trumpanzies stupid? They, are they stupid? Yes. (laughs) I don't really have to think that hard about it. Are they stupid? Yes, they're stupid. They are, but more than that, they are racist. 
Okay. That's really what it's about. It comes down to them. That's why they're so stupid. And this is because everybody knows who Twitler is. You have to be some kind. It must be fascinating, I guess. Maybe it's this mass hysteria denial. But especially people in New York, we know him here. We've been enduring his antics for forever. We know he's he's a con man. New York as a whole didn't vote for him, but of course we all know about Staten Island, the pocket of Trump and Zism. Of course, there are normal people there too, but there's a lot of dum-dums there too. I, I grew up on Staten Island. There's a lot of dummies there. I remember Republicans. I don't know why, but but yes, they're racist too. That must be it. It really is. It really comes down to it. And which is why we, I, I have the remedy. You know it. We know it. It is about confronting. It's not just about putting, um, it, although that's helpful, it is, to see people of different pigment in positions of power and authority and, and all of us working together. That does matter for people coming up, young people, to see that hey, look, there's a whole tapestry of life. And what Trump Anzies say and Republicans, conservatives in general, they'll say, well, we only pick people on their abilities. They, th- they say they're so sincere because they're not looking at their skin color or their gender or whatever the hell. They're just picking them on their abilities, although that's con- complete and utter bullshit since... Uh, what they're saying then is that oh it must be uh, it must be that white men are simply superior that is what they think though they're so devolved and they're so they really don't have the courage to look at themselves that they won't that they're not even they're not aware perhaps maybe they were aware i don't know are they no, probably not, of their own b- biases. They don't have the courage to confront them, and even if they did have the awareness. So on top of it, they are being coddled and enabled by the leadership who give them permission to be just as ugly and stupid and devolved as they want to be. You know, it's a very sad and pathetic way to go through life being an ugly dumb racist dupe of 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 a con man con man and an entire greed centered death cult who hate you that's what's sad as well because the oligarchy the 1% the the, the Mitch McConnells and all of his paymasters and his chinese spy wife and all of them all of the right wingers, the cons who, and the the billionaires who own government, they hate the Trumpanzee. They hate them more than we could ever hate them. I don't hate them. Well, yes, I do hate them, but I, I don't. I'm not trying to harm them. I'm not trying to use them. I'm trying to get them. Really, I'm trying to just get them out of the effing way. Just shut up and sit down, and well, you'll enjoy healthcare. Trust me. Maybe you'll get some. 
you'll go get the help you need, but I doubt it. But you know, we're trying to, everything that we do, they benefit from, and we know that. Just even with the past few years, with the whole listening to them whine and piss their shit their diapies up with Obamacare while wanting their pre-existing conditions protections now. Oh, they all love it. Scums. But, all right, so I was watching MSNBC, okay, whatever, and uh, Jennifer Palmieri. This is, I, I captured this because she's a Hillary Clinton, um, commu- I don't know, something about communications with her. Who knows? She was head of communications for Hillary Clinton or something. And she was on talking about what do we do with these republicans this is where i have to i have to counteract the corporate media narrative first let's play it i mean what does a president-elect biden do about the concerns from republican elected officials that this could lead to violence very easily and very quickly i think it has to be in solidarity with them and it doesn't it's not surprising that when you, when you see the repercussions really take hold in the Republican Party, that it's happening at the local level, right? That it's happening with county officials, mayor. Okay, so they're talking about all the violent morons running loose. And and Nicole Wallace asked her, what do we do? What is Joe Biden going to do with these people to bring these people on side? Are you kidding me? How much longer? Are we gonna? Are we gonna have to reach across the aisle to these idiots? We we have reached across the aisle so much that the Democratic Party is now the Republican Party. It's the same. Well, no, no, it's not the Republican Party. It's the same Republican Party. That's how much we've reached across the aisle. They've been pulling us to the right for my entire life and before. There is no sane Republican party anymore. And there's no, any one of them, I'm talking about all of them, including Steve Schmidt. They brought us to this point. And if they want, they, they want to do something, they want to do a bipartisan, they want us to be bipartisan, create a conservative party then. The Republican party is done. Put a pin in it. It's done. You know, you don't redeem the Nazis. You don't see the Germans after World War II saying, well, you know, let's work with the good Nazis. You have to destroy the party. But I guess we're not at that point yet. We're still in the denial phase for some reason. We're still in the phase playing. We're pretending that it's really happening, but it's we're not... It's not that bad. I don't know. I because in one breath I hear them say this is the a, a danger to democracy. They're undermining democracy. He's an autocrat. And in another breath, they're like, let's work with them, the ones we can work with. If we could work with them, we would have worked with them. All of the they're all bad. They all suck. They were all a, they all voted for this monster. Half of them or more, I'm talking about the so-called Lincoln Project ones, they're supposed to be normal? You can't redeem your party. You created this. You've always been a greed-centered death cult. It doesn't matter what you're trying to be now. 
There's no redeeming it. I don't get it. We have no interest. There is no, um, there's no, no, we don't get anything back from saving this death cult. What's in it for us? More of the same. More. Reaching across the aisle until the next fascist who gets into the White House destroys it for good. So anyway, let's let her finish. There's governors, they're the ones that have to deal with the with the date, with with like with reality in a way that you were sort of shielded from that in in Congress. Um, and I think you, I think that you that you do start there with the with those Republican officials that you know just are willing to deal in in reality. Are you fucking kidding me? I just can't believe what I hear all the time. I'm sorry. I know I play these clips, but. Part of the thing I, what we do here, I, I think, I believe, is that we have to counter some of these corporate media narrative because they're so pervasive. We work with the ones who, who are living in reality. Oh well, isn't that a low bar? What? We work with the ones that are living in reality. Wait, how did she say it? To deal in in reality and be what? Just are willing to deal in Oh, willing to deal in reality. Oh, that's that's different. What? Yeah, that should be not something um we should be even that we should even be talking about. Are you somebody who is willing to deal in reality? There is no dealing in reality. Either you're in reality or you're in a fucking death cult. Are you in reality? Oh, great. Let's work together. What are you talking about? The problem of the reason we're here is because we're not in reality anymore, I suppose. Here's the reality. We're not a functioning democracy. We never have been functioning. We've always been aspirational. That's the reality. Here's another reality. Throwing platitudes and tokens into the broken system isn't going to fix it. That's that's great. It is an outside... It's like putting nice wallpaper on on moldy walls. You're still going to get sick you're still, it's still going to smell. And all it does is put, it just papers over the problem. It doesn't take the problem away. It doesn't fix the problem. We are in this, in this boat because the 1% have bought and paid for this government. Money and politics, of all of the, the pontificating I hear on the corporate media and all, I mean, I don't listen to right-wing media because it's uh, the same reason I don't drink from the toilet. So, but I, I never hear any of these millionaire mouthpieces say that anything, say anything about money and politics. They don't say anything about, the the American middle class. 
They talk about these Trump Z's being stupid, being fooled by a con man, but they don't understand that the only reason the con man could have risen to power is on the economic disparity and upward immobility and broken ass system that we are that we're all in and, and which includes the whole right in the core of the rot is our racism that we've never dealt with and dealing with racism alone without dealing with the economic disparity it will is not going to fix it either because we will always be divided. Yes, Richard W. on the chat. America is a tragedy. It absolutely is. You know what is the tragedy? That we have so much promise. In In the founding documents, regardless, they were written by racists, misogynists, and hypocrites in general. Put that aside. It's the only country founded on an idea of happiness, not of blood and soil, but of e pluribus unum, of the general welfare over the welfare of the corporate, uh, not the, well, the intergenerational aristocracy elite. We could work with that. And we have an obligation to do so because everybody who ever gave their life for this thing, that's what they died for. I know that they, that's what they were told they died for. So let's make their sacrifice not be in vain. But these people, you know, this is part of the reason why we're in this problem. The media. Yeah, it's not fake news, whatever. The, it, it is corporate media. They, they run the agenda. Who They pick the agenda, what people talk about. But all of the time that they spend pontificating on Donald Trump and the danger he is, they got us here. They're the ones that gave him all the free airtime. Instead of beating the drum of so many other important stories, like... How about, um, how do we fix our broken system? I know how to fix it, you know, but they would never listen to me. These are the same corporate media mouthpieces that talk about how nobody wants to give up their health care, their union health care, but they never talk about the millions that have nothing. You see how they have so twisted us? They've, this is divide and conquer. Let's continue with her. Though. In reality, and be faithful to you know, to the to, to the democracy. And oh, you know, let's just find someone who Joe Biden should work with those who who uh, are willing to deal in reality and have faith in democracy. Good luck. Have. Have has she been paying attention? This person, you know, she makes a lot more money than me. She's she's got Hillary Clinton on her phone. I'm sure she can call her up, say, "Hey, what you doing, gal?" And this is what they talk about. This is what they spread. This bullshit. 
Oh, yeah, you know, Joe Biden's got a lot on his plate. He should work with them. Oh, because that's what's wrong. We haven't worked with them enough. The problem is we've worked with them too goddamn much. And, oh, my God. Let's continue. Find, um, I mean, Biden has just so much on his shoulders. It's, it's going to be very hard for years. But find issues that can be apolitical. Um, oh, apolitical. Uh, certainly the vaccine has not been to date. But I Is she sleepy or what? She looks a little tired. She has no energy. Yeah, he should find somebody. Find some somebody who works in reality and uh, who likes democracy and something bipartisan. We should all work on something that is non-controversial. Get the F out of here. They've politicized everything. There is nothing that is non-political anymore. You you hear this shit? This is why I play this crap, because it goes out over the air. Millions of people watch it, and we keep going swirling around the toilet. And this, this country, I can't believe I'm living in the last days of the American Republic. It is, It sucks. I wish I could be living in the revival of the American Republic, but I'm not. Because we're, we're, we're done if we don't fix this. We have a very small window of opportunity here. If we don't fix it, we're done. Joe Biden, it's, it, it, fixing it doesn't mean finding Republicans, a few Republicans who can work and who, who understand reality. Look at them. Look at what they've done. And now they're launching lawsuits against 17 states are launching lawsuits against the election with Ted Cruz leading the rallying cry Ted Cruz the the guy who Donald Trump called his wife ugly who tweeted a, a, a picture of his wife and of a picture of Melania and Ted Cruz's wife side by side with a caption, a picture says a thousand words, meaning your wife is ugly. My wife, you know, because women are nothing but trophies to this fucking con man. And it's like I say all the time, it doesn't matter who, uh, he could never, Twitter is not man enough to have a wife or a partner that's his age. He couldn't do it. He's that, that's how small he is. What a little bitch she is. And how insecure, because it's all about what it looks like on his arm. Does it make him look better? Does it make other guys go, wow, he must be a real man? Or does it betray what a, what a, what a sad, sad little hollow waste he is? Well, I say the latter. So that guy, and imagine, let me ask, well, let's get rid of her for a second. Be, what would you do if you were 
Ted Cruz's wife? What if, what about her? Something is wrong with her. And, th- of course, there's something wrong with all of them. From the beginning, with Melania, remember during, in the beginning of this whole nightmare, and people would say that they felt bad for Melania. There were all these jokes on late night TV about how Melania was some kind of unwilling captive. She's not an unwilling captive. She's just as much of a racist POS as he is. I never liked her. I never had any sympathy for her. She's a. Uh, she could have. Hooked up with any con man, any, if that's what she wanted, she came here to find some kind of gravy train. She could have found one that wasn't a racist, right? She could have found a a big whale to hook. Um, didn't have to be a tax cheating, draft dodging dictator and being con man with a fake freaking university. A scam artist. So that's who she is. Water seeks its level. You want to know somebody, look at their friends. Look at who they married. Look at who she allows to climb on top of her. A con man, an ugly, ugly Nazi. A, a, a traitor. Right? So what's wrong with... with Ted Cruz's wife. I don't feel bad for her. She's a a self-serving bitch, too, who has no dignity. They have sold out their dignity and the American experiment are right along with it. It's all it takes to destroy a democracy or a republic or a constitutionally limited democratic republic is for bad people to go along with the scam self-serving people you always find willing accomplices in the right wing we discussed this before in history all republics that have fallen doesn't happen overnight but it it also it happens with the help of a bunch of right-wing traitors because they're out for themselves, money. They're not uh, out for the ideal of democracy, of we're in this together. We haven't, ha- haven't and anyone, I mean, look at them. Look at their, know them by their fruits. They have never done a single thing to help the working class of this country in any way, shape, or form. So... That's the game right there. Have they ever done a thing to ensure, to give the people more power? No, of course they haven't. That's the game right there. And Heidi Cruz? What a, what, how sad. What if that's, imagine. I couldn't imagine being that person and my spouse did nothing, said nothing, just allowed this fucking con man to publicly call me ugly. So that's what I would be remembered for, right? That's what we will remember Heidi for. Who's going to remember her? And then when your kids grow up and they see this, that's what they will remember. When they Google mama, 
they're going to see that daddy did nothing when the con man, when the traitor, that history, when their generation grows up and looks back and they see they will have the perspective of time. And trust me, Twitler's not going to come out looking good, and neither will his supporters. That's for sure. Those kids are going to look back, and they're going to be like, they're going to be embarrassed. Unless they're a bunch of assholes, too. Well, time will tell. But you're going to look back, and you see that your mother, that's how, how much of a, how, I don't know, self-serving sycophant she was she allowed your father to call to allow the father said nothing not only did he he say nothing when an a filthy disgusting traitorous con man called his wife ugly in front of earth he said not only did he say nothing he he enabled him he joined forces with him to destroy democracy. Now, if wouldn't that be a deal breaker for anybody? I don't think, um, of course, I would never be with anybody like a Ted Cruz or a Heidi Cruz, for that matter. <laughs> They're disgusting. But how would, what do you do? You share a bed with that person? You share a, a home? They come home, hi, Heidi, I'm home. Did you see uh, Donald Trump didn't call you ugly today? So then when you go to dinner at the, at the White House, didn't they show up at the White House for dinner? Heidi and Ted Cruz with Melania. That's all everybody's thinking. Oh, look at them, side by side. Let's get a pic. Picture says a thousand words. They don't have any dignity because it's all about, it's about the, the money. It's about the unholy dollar, money and power. It's never been about democracy or the American people. If it were, they, we wouldn't be here in this position. Let me just finish what this. This, oh, that's not the right button. Resume last video. That's the button. I think that alone, if you do that program right, not only is it, you know, the health of the country depend upon it, the economy depend upon oh, it, yes, but that honey, alone could go a great. long way to restoring credibility, people believing in government, oh, its yes. ability to do that, big things. And that's if- it. You reach across the aisle to some people who are dealing in reality, and then... You do something non-political, like a vaccine. Yeah, you know how non-political that is. Like distributing the vaccine. Oh, great. And then the Trump and Z, the one who's yelling at you in your face without a mask and an M16, they'll finally wake up and say, yeah, gee, government can do good things. How much longer? I have to ask again. How much longer are we going to take it? Are we going to listen to this shit without a laugh track? I always say that we'll know we're on the right track when every Republican speech or 
or, or appearance on television or whatever it may be, every Republican statement is accompanied by a laugh track. But this, this, is, this needs a laugh track. I think it's a little different when you're here with a laugh track. Let's see. Let's rewind it a little. Yes. Um, and I think you, I think that you, that you do start there with the, with those Republican officials that, you know, just are willing to deal in, in reality and be faithful to, you know, to the, to, to the democracy and, you know, find, um, I mean, Biden has just so much on his shoulders. It's, it's going to be very hard for years, but find issues that can be apolitical. Um, uh, certainly the vaccine has not been to date, but I, I think that alone, if you do that program right, not only is it, you know, the health of the country depend upon it, the economy depend upon it, but that alone could go a long way to restoring credibility, people believing in government, its ability to do big things, and its ability to be to be uh, faithful to the uh, health and safety of the American people. Oh, yeah. um, so you can imagine how, over the course of the next four years, Biden will have a, a lot of those um, opportunities and, you know, either will have some su support enough from the Republican side or, or he won't. Or, um, but wow. I feel hopeful. About now that. I know um, <laughs> not, you're not hopeful. Now I know why she gets the big bucks. Yes. Um, you know, I'll have a lot of opportunities to do that. Are these people, is it another form of denial? I guess it is. You got the right wingers in denial about how how sick and racist and stupid they are. And then you have these corporate Democrats in denial about what they did to bring us to this point and what the remedy would be. This this woman gets paid a lot of money to consult with Democratic politicians. She's been in that whole circle for for my my life, I, I've been seeing her for years. What has she done? And this is all she can come up with. Reach across the aisle to find some normal Republicans who deal in reality and work some bipartisan thing like a vaccine so... The, uh, the, the dum-dums will say, oh, look how good everything is. Government can work. <laughs> Thank you. I'm here all week. Oh, my God. Opportunities. And, you know, either we'll have some su support enough from the Republican side or, or he won't. Or, oh, um, well, there you go. But he I will either have support or he won't. Wow, now I see. How did you... I, I, I see why you've been so um, advanced in the halls of power. I feel hopeful about that. Um, not look not very the vast majority of Congress, but the supporters, enough supporters of President Trump to keep this... Uh, together for Biden over the course of the next four years. What? I mean, what does? Wait, wait, wait. The she's wait, wait. I have to hear that again. Uh, together for Biden. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Majority of Congress, but the supporters, enough supporters, of President Trump to keep this uh, together for Biden over the course of the next four years. She thinks there's enough support. If he can find enough supporters. 
of President Trump to keep this together for the next four years. What the fuck are you talking about, bitch? Please, somebody call me from the Democratic Party. Really, I'm not kidding. You need me. I don't, I don't even need, I don't need any pay. I'm not like, whatever, Jennifer Palmieri. I could give you some free advice. Advice is free. Just become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. That would help. But guys, 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 let it go. Let go of the corporate teat. Please. Democrats, please. Yes, exactly. Andrea on the chat. That was double talk and gibberish. It made no sense. It was absolute gibberish. Bullshit. It's air coming out of her fucking mouth. And saying what? Nothing. He can either find support or he won't. Or get some Trump supporters to, on board. And, 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 and then they will see the light, you see? They don't see the light, though. They've never seen the light. They're dumb. That's how they're easily played and manipulated. It's about time. This is what we have always had to do. There's always been this segment of society that are stupid. We've always had self-serving politicians who tried to tickle their racist funny bones and get them to cheer their own demise. We've never had one so egregious, such an open con man, I believe. Maybe if we, I mean, maybe there's, there's always been con. I mean, they're all con men. That's it. it. The whole thing is a con. They have to con us into thinking that or believing that this isn't an oligarchy. It's not, um, you know, d- democracy is functioning. It's not for the 1% alone. We're still, whatever, a meritocracy. As much as we fall lower and lower, the middle class goes lower and lower in the percentage of the population. But don't pay any attention. It's still America. We're we're functioning. Everything's fine. But we're not. You can't do what or endure. Excuse me, a system where the rich, as FDR said, the, the affairs of the billionaire. What did, how did he put it? The um, government, they, how, he, how did he put it? How they began to, I'm paraphrasing, believe that government was an appendage of their affairs. The, the billionaires, the 1%. And of course it is. It is an appendage of their affairs because corruption, bribery is built right into the system. So they have to have this pantomime of democracy. We're going through the pantomime. We try all the time. This is what happens. And I have my whole theory about why we go left and right or people vote for Republicans and then Democrats and Republicans back and forth. Because we're, we're, we're not getting what we need. We're not, the government isn't promoting the general welfare. And the American people are so 
propagandized to think that the democracy is functioning, that we go, okay, well, now we'll go with this guy, and then we go back, and not not us, because um, um, because we are paying attention to politics, but the majority of Americans aren't paying attention. So that's why you have these idiot undecided voters. This is a whole other story. They're like, I don't know. I'm kind of a Republican or... I haven't decided, or maybe I haven't heard enough yet. I haven't seen enough because they're they're not paying attention, and they think, okay, well, it, this isn't working. Let's try this guy. Let's throw this guy in there or this lady, and it goes back and forth because all of the while we're slipping lower and lower and lower on the ladder. And really, it is, uh, it's a game. All right. Hold on a second. Oh, my God. For example, here's an article from 2016 by Cortland, Court, yes, that's her name, Cortland Malloy, M-I-L-L-O-Y, from the Washington Post. How American oligarchs created the concept of race to divide and conquer the poor. Hello. Hello, Jennifer Palmary. Hello. Hello, everyone on corporate media. So she writes, while teaching U.S. history at a public charter high school in the district, Julian Hipkins III noticed that students tended to assume that race, quote-unquote, was as old as mankind, almost like it was natural, a given, as he put it. So using some specialized lessons, Hipkins helped students explore the invention of race and the reasons for it as laid out in colonial law, especially the Virginia slave codes enacted between 1640 and 1705. Question, how did wealthy landowners thwart the efforts of enslaved Africans and European indentured servants to join forces in a common struggle for economic justice. Answer, divide and conquer through the invention of race. Make the white servants feel superior to black slaves by virtue of skin color. Manipulate poor whites into believing that any perceived gains by blacks had to come at their expense. I started by having students get together in groups and think up laws that could be used to separate one group of people from another and laws that would make one group of people feel superior to another, said Hipkins, who taught 11th graders at the Capital City Public Charter School in Northwest Washington. The students reluctantly brainstormed, and when Hopkins, I mean Hipkins, showed them how similar their concocted laws were to actual slave codes, some of the students recoiled in disbelief. They said, you made that up, Hipkins recalled. I said, no, those are actual laws. They said, that's crazy. Somebody actually sat down and wrote that? Students eventually homed in on the essential question. Who stood to benefit from such diabolically inspired disunity among people whose in economic interests were so intertwined? 
That led to a discussion about how oligarchs defend their interests, Hipkin said. We would come back to that throughout the school year because students noticed how race was being used as a wedge, as a wedge issue, again and again and again. Hipkins used a lesson called The Color Line by Bill Bigelow, curriculum editor at Rethinking Schools magazine. The material can be downloaded from the Zinn Education Project. And I guess I should put that somewhere in the chat. Hold on. I'll put that in the chat after I read it. The pattern of exploitation that the students discovered does not fit neatly into the standard high school history narrative of the noble birth of a nation. So it's often overlooked but the process has been widely documented. Thomas and Mary Edsel, for example, described in their 1991 book called Chain Reaction, The Impact of Race, Rights, and Taxation on American Politics. I got to read that, actually. That's great. I will be reading that. Put a pin in that. Just as race was used between 1880 and 1864 by the planter textile banking elite of the South to rupture class solidarity at the bottom of the income ladder and to maintain control of the region's economic and political systems, race as a national issue over the past 25 years has broken the Democratic New Deal bottom-up coalition, a coalition dependent on substantial support from all voters white and black, at or below the median income. That fracturing of the Democratic coalition, as Edsel argues, permitted in turn those at the top of the top-down conservative coalition to encourage and nurture. In the, 18, in the 1980s, what we may have been, what, excuse me, in the 19, to encourage in the 1980s what may well have been the most accelerated upward redistribution of income in the nation's history. Yes, exactly. And let me tell you guys, this is, this is a fact. We know this. We can trace the decline and fall of the American middle class to Reagan's doorstep and the unraveling of the New Deal, which the Republicans have been trying to do since... FDR's uh, first programs. And I just have to t put an aside. I, I told you the other day when I was watching Morning Joe and they were going off on, there's a documentary on Showtime about Reagan and they were going off in particular about how dare they say that it was Reagan who um, all the economic problems of today can be traced to Reagan's doorstep. They were actually saying that. So you see how the power of propaganda works. So people, young people, or maybe just uninformed people who don't remember, who didn't live, they weren't alive during the Reagan years, they don't know what happened. Young people today, millennials, they don't understand that we used to, the United States was once a world, was a, well, for white people, the economic um, mobility was, we were the most upward, upwardly mobile for whites. 
in all of the Western, uh, in all of Western democracies. Now we're the least. They don't remember that. That when whites could go to get a they could get a job somewhere. That well, for example, General uh, G oh, GM. No, I was going to say General Electric. GM was the number one employer in the country, which paid a living wage, a unionized workforce. People would raise families. One person could be the breadwinner. They had vacations and retirement security. And that's, those days are over. So young people, millennials, they have really been given a raw deal. So anyway, the point is, the reason I'm bringing it up is that propaganda works. They, they have been taught to believe, or at least this is the corporate media narrative, that what you see, this economic immobility, this upward immobility, the economic disparity, going to college and coming out as an indentured servant to the banks, that's just the American way. No, that's policy. School used to be free. You can get a really, you could get a top-notch education, a higher education for free in this country. Reagan stopped that. So there you go. On the corporate, just like they never, they never point out facts. They really don't. They just talk about, um, it really bothers me in general how, they they never give examples like when we for example when they talk about socialism I, how they oh he's he are you a socialist do you like what oh and that's a socialist and they they I'm not a socialist you get this all the time but nobody explains what are you talking about of course you're a socialist when they have these right wingers on there saying they're not socialist of course you are you. Especially they'll have someone who's from one of these socialist states that are taking my red, my blue state dollars to prop up their red state. Yes, you're a socialist. They don't point that out, of course. They would never go on the street and say, what's socialism to one of these morons? Or they'll go to the, you know, they'll go to the Trump and Z rally on Staten Island and stoke moronity, spread, allow these idiots to spread their stupidity, they'll never counteract what they're saying, and they'll never educate them, say, hey, well, you don't like socialism? What is socialism? What they really don't like is sharing civilization with brown people. And this essay from the Washington Post in 2016, it is exactly everything that we talk about. It is the exact truth. We want to overcome our racist-ass history. Start here. Start recognizing the game because it is a game and it's been played against us. My frustration is that many Americans don't see the game. You got to see it. It's like I'm asking you to take the blue, is it the blue pill or the red pill? Take the red pill, the one that you could see the matrix. Take that one, the one that you could see the matrix, not the one that puts you back to sleep. And stop being a racist asshole and understand. And if you're a racist, if you're a bigot or whatever, you know, racism is a, is, implies power. This is what always gets on my nerves with these, these, uh, white whiny little bitches who are afraid that they're losing their privilege. 
uh, you can't change people's hearts. People have biases. They have ignorance. They aren't exposed to pe other people. They have all kinds of stupid notions from the society. But racism means that it is uh, you're being legislated against ultimately. So this is a racist country. That's why it doesn't ha really mean your heart is racist. That's a whole other issue. So there is no reverse racism, I hate to tell you. Well, I do. I don't hate to tell you. I will tell you. <laughs> I, and I tell you every day. I'll tell you. I don't hate to tell you. I just hate having to tell you, I guess, because, God, it's tedious. So here we go. Where was I in this article? The aside being that Joe Scarborough whining that Reagan, oh, they they picked on Reagan and said that all of his economic pro, all of our economic in, upward immobility and wealth disparity can be traced to his door. And they cried about that on Morning Joe, but they didn't give examples yet again. So if that's not the truth, well, let's see. Bring your receipts. But they don't. They just put that out there, and then you'll get the misinformed and the ill-informed repeating it, thinking, oh, well, that sounds like I know what I'm talking about. But they don't have any, they, don't, they won't have any examples. They, they're just repeating what they hear on corporate media. And it's bullshit, so become a patron. All right. Um, at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. Whatever. I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. The fracturing of the Democratic coalition, as Edsel argues, permitted in turn those at the top of the top-down conservative coalition to encourage and nurture in the 1980s what may well have been the most accelerated upward redistribution of income in the nation's history. The A redistribution fed by the tax spending and regulatory policies of the Reagan and Bush administration. Of course, they knew what they were doing, too. This whole laugher curve, and they came out with charts and shit that mean nothing that are bullshit. This is what, what they do. It's like Twitler coming out with his chart, right? Didn't he come out with a chart right recently? Let me see. Trump about the election saying, oh, look, here's uh, some votes here. And then all of a sudden they voted. And then, uh, yeah, you know why, dumb bitch? Because, and this is what you'll never hear the corporate media break in and say, and they just give Twitler the platform, but... The, the reason there's a spike, that was because the Republicans in states, they, they passed legislation to make it illegal to start counting the votes until Election Day. So all the mail-in votes were sitting in a pile somewhere or wherever they were sitting and waiting to be counted. So, boom. You fuckers. You see what they do? Anyway. I'm here to tell you. The upward redistribution continues, and racism is still being used to keep poor and working-class blacks and whites fighting over the crumbs, while the top 1% take the cake. 
echoes can be seen in Donald Trump's outreach to poor and working class whites by castigating immigrants as those people who are taking their jobs. You know that's bullshit. But that does not have to be the end of the history lesson. When students learn how race has been created, how the structure of white supremacy has been constructed, and, uh, he says, they begin to realize that it could also be destroyed. Says Hipkins, who recently left his teaching post to become a curriculum specialist for the D.C.-based Teaching for Change. For the past 400 years, every generation has produced heroic advocates for liberty and justice with a more enlightened view of um, of the short but destructive history of race, the students now had a choice. Join in the struggle to build an anti-racist America or accept racism as a given and rejoin the masses in maintenance of a futureless status quo. Wow, that's pretty sad. It's true, those are your choices. Rejoin the masses in maintenance of a futureless status quo. Yes. These are the choices. And that's why, what do I say on the show all the time? You will never hear a Republican, a conservative politician, challenging their dumbass constituents to evolve, to learn, to not be racist, to not be bigots. They nurture the bigotry deliberately. They tickle it. They, they coddle it. They give it to them like a baby's binky. And they say, suckle on this. You'll feel better. It's always about race. And now we, we're watching it play out again with the election. That is so, it's so tedious to me, watching these right-wingers fall for it every single time. Why do they fall for it? Well, okay, it's not even point. Why even ask the question? The point is we have to reach those who are reachable. Really. Other than that, we leave people behind. We have to leave them in the dusk, as we have always had to do. I bet when we crawled out of the primordial ooze, we had to leave some of these freaks behind and then when we finally came out of the caves they were like hey we've always been in a cave get back here this is what we've been dealing with that's the human condition wait hold on i'm trying to find the i'm just putting this the zen education project has some interesting material for young people on there teaching people's history. This is what we have to do. We have to teach the history, the real history of the United States. It is not just the history of white men. I mean, how boring is that too? It's so interesting. This, this is the thing. Here's an aside. I told you guys now, I, I listen to the great courses a lot. I watch the great courses. I love the great courses. I wish, except for, well, that time, you see how pervasive the uh, right-wing propaganda is 
there was a video. I'm just explaining it for the new people. The old, the guys who've been around know the story. But when I was watching the great courses one day, I was watching a course about the impeachment of, um, let me see, where is it? Of Andrew Jackson. Wait, who was impeached now? Uh, impeachment. It was Jackson, right? Yeah, Andrew. What am I saying? Uh, not Andrew Jackson. Andrew Johnson. And you know, had a lot to. It has a lot to. A lot of co co correlations to today. And I was watching this damn video. And they said that they used the term, they used the pejorative Democrat Party in their script. So that goes to show you. I'm just trying to find it. What does it say? Great courses. And I sent them a, sent them a, a tweet. And they didn't respond for a long time. And then I attached, I actually retweeted it, and I attached the the democratic party handle to it and said well i guess because you haven't responded you you did this deliberately and then they they said oh we are non-political so i said well i guess you'll change the script then here here it is in 1872 johnson ran for congress as an independent torpedoing his own democrat party's candidate and three years later, he prevailed. Are you fucking kidding me? That's how propaganda works. You repeat the lie. There is no Democrat Party. And this is supposed to be, you know, great learning materials. De tor torpedoing his own Democrat Party. There is no Democrat Party. Here, if you even look it up, look up the Democrat Party. It, this drives me up a fucking wall. Look, look, right here. I'll show you my screen. Democrat Party. Epitheth. Epitheth. How do you say that word? Epitheth. Isn't, I mean, of course, Wikipedia is not the most reliable source, but this is true. Democrat Party is an epitheth for the Democratic Party of the United States, used in a disparaging fashion by the party's opponents. While the term has been used in a non-hostile way, it has grown in a negative since the 1940s, particularly by members of the Republican Party. So anyway, that's the point. You repeat the lie long enough, then you even have people who work for the great courses writing scripts that say Democrat Party. And either they did that because they're stupid or they did it because they're right-wing hacks. Either situation isn't, isn't flattering for the great courses. But anyway, the point is, why did I bring up the great courses? Oh, there's a great, great course called The Other Side of History, and I highly recommend it courses i think i'll listen to it again it's really amazing and it's all about it goes back to prehistoric times and it talks about not the great people of history or the uh, what it was like to be an average person in all these periods of history 
and it really gives you an appreciation for or a different perspective the other side of history and it also it goes back to prehistoric times what what it was like to be a uh, a neanderthal or whatever and it's poignant too and it also does i mean it goes on there's many many lectures it's not just one thing so you can get lost in it and it also talks about what it's like to be what it were what it was like for animals on the other side of history which wasn't good and still isn't that good it's better but all right i'm trying to focus the camera as you can see all right we're back i'm on the t i'm trying to look at the chat see if we have any trump anzies lurking Okay, good, good. So far, so good. I want to see the chat and the YouTube channel. I've... Richard W., thank you, Richard. Another great show, Tara. You're very kind. Thank you. I know you say that all the time. You're very kind. I like to say, I like to hear that because I'm my own worst critic. Especially when we're bleeding patrons. Hello. Let's see who's in the chat. If you're on any other chat, come on over to youtube.com slash C for channel slash RDT Daily Media. Hello, Ed the First. He's always the first in the chat room. And I appreciate that. Sin City. Hello. Hello, JD. Hello, Author. And Richard W., Hello, hello, Jim, of course, and JD, Terry Taylor. Thanks for hanging out. Who else is here? Of course, Haiku. What else? Who else is here? Paradu. I thought I saw our millennial correspondent, Mark, in here. Jim, Alex, Terry. Where is... Where's Patricia? Richard W. Thank you all. Hope I didn't miss anyone. Darth. Hi, guys. I'm glad I'm, I did a show tonight. I was toying with not doing a show because I was feeling a little blue. But that's called Wednesday, I suppose. And I thought, no. No, dumb bitch. I say that to myself sometimes. I shouldn't talk like that to myself. Get on that show and connect with the Tarabuster Buster community. And I said, yes. I will. I, I, you know, I couldn't. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't call myself a dumb bitch. <laughs> Stop it. It's uh, it's negative self talk. Yeah. He wants to cut my hair, Darth. Watch out for Darth. He wants to cut your hair. I. I haven't had a haircut since the pandemic. I know I need a cut. I haven't. It's sort of getting into Linda Ronstadt area. Not that bad. Am I looking a little cousin it over here? How short should I take it? Maybe there. A layered bob? Get out of here. I'm not uh, I'm not the layered bob type. 
I can't. I don't know. I don't have a face for a layered bob. Oh, that's very kind. Paradu, you're hot no matter what. <laughs> that's, you're too kind. Trust me. I ain't that hot. All right, all right. Let's stop talking about that. Because I will, I have body dysmorphic disorder. When I look in the mirror, I want to smack my parents across the face. I'm like, what were you thinking? These, putting these DNAs together, what? What were you thinking? And getting back to the great courses, the t the person who does the other side of history lecture, I really love his style too. He's very, he's just got this way about him that is touching the way he, he re, you know, he really feels these, the stories and history is amazing. And it's always a teacher though, that makes or breaks a course, right? Here's another divide and conquer from the, from uh, 2018 from medium by Matthew Kohler, America divided and conquered. This is what, I mean, it's great that these articles are written and that we talk about it. I am hoping that eventually shows like this, what we're, what we talk about here will have a larger audience and a bigger platform and shows like, you know, DC, whatever the hell that was, Deadline White House, with all of that palaver, this corporate nonsense, they're on, they're on YouTube saying, please become a patron. I mean, that's how you'll know we're on the right track. And I also have to say hello to Andrea in the chat. All right, the greatest weapon of the colonial powers have used in the past against our people has always been the ability to divide and conquer. This is Mal a, a quote from Malcolm X. If I take my hand and I slap you, it might sting you because these digits are separated. But all I have to do to put you back in your place is bring those digits together. Hello. We're in this together. All of us. The working class. There's more of us. Yeah, and then um, I'm sure there are nice, rich people. It's not about that. It's not about envy. It's not about Mr. Bloomberg, should you exist? That shit. No, in fact, no, billionaires should not exist. But it's about are we a functioning democracy or not? Because if we're not a functioning democracy, this is what you get. A twitler. You get chaos in the streets. That's what happens. Now, I know that conservatives, the reason they've so undermined democracy and they hate democracy is because they, the elites, the 1%, the oligarchy, they think that democracy is chaos. You see? They can't control the masses. When we have an economically vibrant, upwardly mobile working class, that working class is an uppity working class. If it's a unified working class, especially if you're in a union, that's the most dangerous thing. Democracy in the workplace? Oh, hell, hell no. This is why it's so tedious with these conservatives. You know, the attack on 
the working class, the attack on unions, has they've also attacked unions in a racist manner as well. Saying, you don't want to call an N-word your brother. That's how they attacked, I think it was, who was it? Vance Muse. He was the right to work, he's the founder of right to work states. Which means right to work for less and it's dangerous to the 1%. Unions are dangerous to the 1% because then, you know, it is. it truly is we're in this together regardless of pigment. They can't get us with the divide and conquer strategy. So in the mid 17th century in Virginia, long before civil rights or even abolition, poor whites and black slaves came together to demand justice from the ruling class. The rebellion failed, but not without a valuable lesson for the elites. A unified citizenry is dangerous. The ruling class managed to divide and conquer the slaves and poor whites by changing the social hierarchy. The indentured servant whites were given more rights and privileges, ensuring that no matter how marginalized they were, they could still believe they were above the slaves. Future alliances were a long time coming, as attitudes would have to change among more of the white population, but those alliances eventually did form. Each time different groups divided by race and social, social class converged to achieve a greater human goal, usually achieving greater human equality before the hegemony divides and conquers again. As the civil rights movement wound down in the late 60s, America declared a victory for equality even as whites ran from cities to the exclusive middle-class suburbs. There, white America amassed more wealth and privilege for its middle-class families. Black Americans were excluded from this enterprise by redlining and racist zoning policies and practices. There you go. That's, that's racist. That's your racism. It is... In, in, that's your systemic racism built right into our effed up system. Oh, God. And this is how they get us. During this time, racist ideologies evolved and the language became subtler. The new post-racial narrative was devoid of racial overtones, but yet still played off white fears. Politicians effectively used white fear to make policy strengthen their base, and stay in power. At the start of Nixon's drug war in 1971, the drug war has been around in one form or another since before prohibition. The post-racial zeitgeist introduced so-called law and order, a phrase that tread more carefully around, the, around race. It became a rallying cry all across America, and it's currently a phrase loved by Trump. Of course it is like blood and soil, and make America great again. And America first. That's right from the KKK. Isn't, oh, and make America great again too, right? Wait, hold on. Make America great again, KKK. If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look. Make America great again. Here it is. 
Wait, 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 wait. I did a... There was a meme on RDT Daily of a coin that the KKK would, that were giving out as, you know, a gift for their members. A little token. KKK coin. And it said, Make America Great Again on it. It was back from the turn of the century. Here it is. From Snopes showing the next time you hear Trump say, uh, well, America first. Was it America first? I thought that was Make America Great Again, too. Anyway, whatever. I'll get back to it. One of these days. That's why I need a producer or something. Or somebody else to do these searches in the middle of the show. God damn it. All right. Now I lost my place. Hold on. Talk amongst yourselves. What the F? Nice weather we're having, isn't it? What the hell? I'm going to have to open my history. I'm sorry, guys. I lost that article. I lost it. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. That's the wrong one. I'm sorry. That's why everybody doesn't want to be a patron. What can I say? But right now, the patrons are, they're jettisoning. They're running for the exits. Fuck. How come I can't find this? Oh, well, whatever. Kind of sucks when you're in the middle of it. I'll show you what I'm looking at. And maybe you can search with me. See? All right, that's not it. That's the article we just read. Oh, here it is. <laughs> this is um, an article from Medium, America Divided and Conquered by Matthew Kohler. Yes, that was it. Okay, at the st here we go, here we go, here we go. At the start of Nixon's drug war in 1971, which has been used in one form or another, the drug war, since Prohibition, the post-racial zeitgeist introduced law and order. America quickly focused on its new enemies, drugs and crime. But of course, that was racist too. Politicians of the day did their part in painting bleak pictures of inner cities without having to resort to racially charged rhetoric. Meanwhile, TV screens across the country were inundated with images of dangerous black criminals. I mean, we, this is such a sick-ass, sad country run by a bunch of self-serving scumbags, really. Like Bush Sr., the Willie Horton, and they knew what they were doing. All of it. Even, what was it? I just saw this thing. Well, please, it's always... We, we could find zillions of examples of, of, of every single person in the Trump administration saying something racist. Yeah, like this. 
from reason. I know that's a right wing rag. Reason. Get the fuck out. I wish. Pen, remember in his convention speech, Pence warns, you won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. What the F are they talking about? We won't be safe? From what? The pandemic? Almost 300,000 Americans dead? You won't be safe in Joe Biden's America. This is Trump's America. Dumbasses in the streets. We're the only country right now, as far as the coronavirus, we're the only country where the numbers are still going through the roof. We haven't confronted it in any way. We're going to lose, uh, by, before it's done, we will lose. I'm, I'm speculating. Uh, close to, se- I mean, I'm really kind of lowballing it now. 750,000 Americans are going to be dead by the time we're done with this shit. By, by the time it's done with us. And Twitler and all his monsters, they're going to call that a win. As they've set that up, you know. If we don't, if 2 million don't die, even if 2 million people died, they would still call it a win. It doesn't matter. That's what they do. That's why Democrats are so frustratingly annoying, saying we're going to win them on the substance. Oh, I want you to be substantial. I want you to pass a lot of progressive policies. We not... Because it's not progressive. It's not the progressive ideology against conservative ideology. We're talking about patriotism. Progressivism is a patriotic imperative. That should be our rallying cry. And if that's too much, we, we, we have to ter- just talk about patriotism. Is it patriotic to say, fuck it? I don't give a shit if my fellow Americans die. Eh, to some people, I guess. Okay, politicians of their day did their part by painting bleak pictures of inner cities. There were two Americas here. One, we like to recall, with no small amount of nostalgia. That's what Republicans do. You watch them, watch the, watch the, pro, the pre-Trump Republican convention. They're all longing and pining for days gone by. Oh, my father worked in a coal mine and he, he raised three kids and he was able to, he retired. Well, thanks to unions that you fuckers destroy. But anyway, they all long for the time in American history that their policies destroyed, that conservative policies undermined, and then they blame us. They blame the working class of today for not grasping the American dream, for not being able to retire, or for 80% living check to check. Oh, there's nothing wrong here. Let's pine for the good old days when daddy had all the benefits of the New Deal before you fuckers destroyed it. This is what makes me so sick and why they don't, you know, they don't talk about any of this on corporate media, much less Fox News. That doesn't fit the agenda. God. 
to absolve itself of its sin, white America pointed to its black friends and colleagues as evidence of being post-racial and brushed off the hypocrisy. They also kept their hypocritical fear of literally any black man passing them on the street quietly to themselves. Today, the post-racial narrative sports internet memes of white cops playing with black kids, black and brown faces on mainstream television, and prominent black conservatives claiming that racism is a thing of the past. Oh, isn't that nice? The period at the end of the post-racial story is a popular two-term black president. Problem solved. This whitewashed narrative on race is both blatantly hypocritical and dangerously unjust. Depending on your race, your education standards are likely to be subpar, and teachers won't expect much of you. You'll likely be charged more severely and face longer incarceration. You may find yourself a victim of white fear. Having 911 called on you for simply having a barbecue? (laughs) To add insult to injury, you're also more likely to be shot by police. White America doesn't like to hear this, but generations of people from communities across the country know that a post-racial America is a lie. And in fact, this is me, not the article talking, but it's, it's got to be so infuriating and insulting as well. Because it's, it's as if, yet again, our... African-American brothers and sisters are saying, um, you know, enough. And a large bulk of the white goddamn majority doesn't give a shit. It's just saying, I guess you're making it up or something. You just like to make shit up. It's, uh, It's further wounding our fellow Americans... So how are we ever going to fix this country? Oh, God. Why don't they listen to me? Why doesn't... God, it's not that hard. Well, it is. It is and it isn't. We will never... We were never a truly united country, but stories of rampant inequality don't fit well with the American narrative, especially the narrative of being pushed... That's being pushed by the Trump administration... This is what gets me too. Okay, well, um, I don't know if you heard when Joe Biden's um, was announcing his cabinet. Which one? The cabinet. And it was a beautiful story. Let's see. The guy, his grandfather, was was saved by American GIs. In, uh, from a tank battalion? Let me see. And he told that story how his his grandfather was a young boy run, uh, fleeing Nazi oppression. And he ran, uh, he was hiding. Tony Blinken, yes. Let's see. At the end of the war, he made a, he's talking about his mother's second husband was a Holocaust survivor, an author, and a memorist. Memorist? 
Memoir? Is that? Oh, memoirist. <laughs> Memorist. What is that? Memorist. And my late stepfather, Samuel Pizer, was one of 900 children in a school in Bialystok, Poland, but the only one to survive the Holocaust after four years in a concentration camp. At the end of the war, he made a break from a death march into the Bavarian woods. From his hiding place, he heard the rumbling of a rumbling sound of a tank. Instead of an iron cross, he saw a five-pointed white star. He ran to the tank. The hatch opened. An African-American GI looked down at him. He fell to his knees and said only th the only three words he knew in English that his mother had taught him, God bless America. The GI lifted him into, it, into the tank and into America and into freedom that's who we are when i heard the story of course it's very touching and it's moving me now just to read it but i also can't overlook the incredible hypocrisy of what it must have been like to be an african-american gi to fight fascism in europe to see the ugly end of of every fascist regime uh, of Oh, complete of a holocaust of genocide of dehumanizing other other people a section yeah, yeah just a group of people dehumanizing them writing laws against them that's where it begins the take away their humanity and then having to go home this african-american gi that's lifted this young Jewish refugee into the tank, having to go home and having to live separate but equal in a country that where laws were legislated, where, I mean, well, duh, laws were legislated, where laws were written against his humanity. Right? That's what was going on at that time. God bless America. And the story, it, all, it lets us off the hook. Because that's part of the American experience too. Yes, that must have been a, an incredible moment. But how, how frustratingly, how infuriating it must have been for that American GI. For all African Americans who wore the uniform, who fought, bled, and died to fight an, uh, another anti-democratic death cult. To come home to a country so, so um, hypocritical, so immature and unable to look at itself that it, it it wouldn't it wouldn't it, even in the face of that ugliness what happened what they the, the what they saw the end product of of that kind of, of racist laws of racist ideology we didn't change this after world war 2 it took another generation 
took more, for, more fighting, more fire hoses, dogs turned on people, death, murder, terrorism. That's what was going on here in the United States. You know, after World War II, we, uh, it was the Americans. Here's the, another hypo- hypo- hypocrisy. I mean, we're utter and unabashed hypocrites in this country. Especially, uh, we, could, we could rectify that, though, by, by squarely looking at ourselves and, uh, and embracing our entire history coming to grips with it. It won't make us less great. In fact, the fact that we can't look at ourselves maturely and squarely, warts and all, makes is, is the thing that makes us diminishes. It diminishes us. After World War II, um, Churchill wanted to, he didn't want to, they didn't want a trial for the, not, the high command in, of Nazis that they had captured. They wanted to, Churchill wanted to take them out back and shoot them. That's it. Put an end to this. But it was the Americans who pushed for the Nuremberg war crimes trial because they need, they, the Americans were the ones who were supposedly fighting for more than just uh, at the end of the war, the, it, the end of the fascist ideology. And yet we could do that. We could push our European allies into, I don't know, elevating truth and justice and humanity by bringing these Nazi bastards to justice in the place that they had their start. That's why they chose Nuremberg, because it was the famous Nuremberg rallies. This is the famous Nuremberg laws, the racist laws that we had right here at home. Let's see. Let me see. Nuremberg laws. Let's see if... how much we have in common with how much do they have in common with Jim Crow laws what America taught the Nazis hmm because they did they they looked to the American Jim Crow laws for inspiration so the Nuremberg race laws were let's see here's from the Holocaust Museum an article in the annual Nazi rally, Nazi party rally held in Nuremberg in 1935, the Nazis announced new laws which institutionalized many of the racial theories prevalent in Nazi ideology. The laws excluded German Jews from Reich citizenship and prohibited them from marrying or having sexual relations with persons of, quote, German or related blood. We had that here. What were miscegenation laws? Right? Misage. Anti-miscegenation laws 
or miscegenation laws are laws that enforce racial segregation at the level of marriage and intimate relationships by criminalizing interracial marriage and sometimes sex between members of different races. But that's what we've, we had here. At the time that African-American GI opened up the, the tank, the latch in the tank, and carried that Jewish refugee to freedom. Unreal, right? But that's that's who we are. If we don't face this, well, more more of the same. Expect more of the same, and then expect the the next fascist to be the one that that destroys the country once and for all. Let me see. I'm looking for the Nuremberg laws. The Nuremberg Laws, as they became known, did not define a Jew as someone with particular religious beliefs. Instead, anyone who had three or four Jewish grandparents were defined as a Jew, quote-unquote, regardless of whether that individual identified himself or herself or not, of being Jewish or belonging to the Jewish community. Many Germans who had not practiced Judaism for years found themselves caught in the grip of Nazi terror. Even with Jewish grandparents who had converted to Christianity, they were still defined as Jews. For a brief period after Nuremberg, in the weeks before and during the 1936 Olympics in Berlin, the Nazi regime actually moderated its anti-Jewish attacks and even removed some of the signs saying Jews unwelcome from public places. So they knew that the world wouldn't approve. But, eh, that's sort of like the way that the right wing in this country behave now. They see the whole world. The majority of Earth is horrified at what they see going on in this country with the fascists' um, coup. This is first the behavior of the fascists. First, from the beginning, they couldn't understand, what are you talking about? The person who doesn't get the most votes gets to become the so-called president? Okay, that's a bullshit system just like our bullshit healthcare system and so many bullshit other systems, our education system that's bullshit, they're all racist-based, so including the Electoral College. And, yeah, they, uh, the whole world is looking at us aghast, the normal people of Earth, but the, that's the majority, just like the majority of people here are normal. They're not... They're not Trump anties. So, after the Olympic Games, in which the Nazis did not allow German Jewish athletes to participate, the Nazis again stepped up the persecution of German Jews. In 1937 and 38, the government set out to impoverish Jews by requiring them to register their property and by Aryanizing Jewish businesses. But that was also about robbing them. Here's the thing. In the beginning, they allowed Jewish people to flee Nazis, uh, Nazi Germany, but not with their property or their, or their money. They had to leave everything behind to be looted. 
by Nazis. This is what it was about. This meant Jewish workers and managers were dismissed and the ownership of most Jewish businesses were taken over by non-Jewish Germans, which is also why, as you see in this effed up country, they, they look the other way. You know, like when babies get ripped from the arms of their mothers, eh, nobody's ripping babies from my arm, so I don't, what do I care? But these, in the case of many of the, the atrocities and the, the, the first atrocities in Nazi Germany, these, the, the good Germans, quote unquote, they benefited. So, eh, good, I'm glad. Yeah, my neighbor's shop shut down, uh, no more competition. Or they took over their spot or, you know, that's why. Oh, look, the Weishes disappeared in the middle of the night. Eh. Oh, look at this. We got they they left the door open. Oh god. Jewish doctors were forbidden to treat non-Jews and Jewish lawyers were not per permitted to practice law. They also in um the laws they got progressively more atrocious and dehumanizing and also made it almost impossible to flee by forbidding Jewish people to own automobiles, to own bicycles. This is not a, this is for real. This really happened. In the lifetime of my grandparents, my father. It's disgusting. They weren't allowed to have pets. Anything that would show them to have hearts and be human. This is, they weren't allowed to have radios. It's unreal, but that's how it starts. It didn't start, hey, let's take away the pets and the radios and the cars. It starts with propaganda. And that's what we're enduring now. We've had right-wing propaganda, we have these silos of information, and we have corporate propaganda. Why the corporate, you know, why the FCC, run by the corporate lobbyist Ajit Pai, once wanted to and, had, and did say F you to the will of the American people by overturning net neutrality laws and rules and using, you know, the fake-ass, you know, just fake, fakery to do it. That's what Republicans, what conservatives do. That's why they're all on board. Because it's always been this. This is it. You understand? That's why you can't even put a toe in the water of this. You're, you're, you're in danger of falling in. It's not, oh, oh, let's do, let's reach across the aisle to these people. You need to recoil from conservatism, like as if from a hot flame. What, unless they change what it means to be conservative. What is conservative? They're not conserving a goddamn thing. Except the oligarchy. 
Well, as far as here's from the History Channel or History.com, how the Nazis were inspired by Jim Crow, an article by Becky Little. Little. In 1935, Nazi Germany passed two racially discriminatory pieces of legislation, the Reich Citizenship Law and the Law for the Protection of German Blood and German Honor. Doesn't that sound so Republican? That's sort of like something that Twitler did recently, something about um, education and American greatness, the Institute for American Greatness. Some bullshit, some fucking fascist, unbelievable bullshit. Oh, my God. If you are that great, you don't have to crow about it. Everybody knows. You don't need an institute or you don't have to teach the greatness part. Just be great. You teach civics and e pluribus unum and then voila, you're great already. You don't have to talk about it or how great you are. That's what they don't seem to understand. Well, of course not. Okay. When the Nazis set out legally to legally dis- disenfranchise and discriminate against Jewish citizens, they weren't just coming up with ideas out of thin air. They closely studied the laws of another country. According to James Q. Whitman, author of Hitler's American Model, that country was the United States. America in the early 20th century was the leading racist jurisdiction in the world. Okay? So we beat the Nazis to the punch. Before there were the Nazis, before there were the Nuremberg laws, there were Jim Crow laws. Unreal. So that's the story of the African-American GI. who also um, couldn't serve side-by-side with his American uh, fellow Americans of lighter pigment at the time. You know, it's too much. Can't have that. Hold on. Um, Isn't that disgusting? So that is... When... When... We hear that story, and then they play it all over media without context. The bullshit continues. And I don't see anything wrong with pointing it out, that we're, we're really um, the, most, the most epic hypocrites. But everybody feels good. I remember when he said he told that story, and then they replayed it on the local news here, and then the co- yeah, and all the corporate media, patting ourselves on the back for being so great. I was sitting here thinking that we're a bunch of infants. Here, here we go again. Here go the propaganda. Here it goes again. Don't we feel good about ourselves? Well, why is everybody so upset? What? Why? Why do black lives matter? It's like being completely symbolically annihilated. 
your entire American experience is symbolically annihilated. We, we need to confront that. Yeah, isn't that great? African-American GIs helped liberate Jewish uh, Holocaust victims. But there, there was a whole other kind of Holocaust going on here in the United States. But that whole, it's so, um, I don't know, what's the word? It's just so tediously childish. It reflects an immaturity and also an inability to want to do anything about it. So, in particular, Nazis admired the Jim Crow-era laws that discriminated against black Americans and segregated them from white Americans. And they debated whether to introduce similar segregation in Germany. Yet they ultimately decided it wouldn't go far enough. One of the most striking Nazi views was that Jim Crow was a suitable racist program in the United States because American blacks were already oppressed and poor. That was part of the whole Nazi thing. They had to get the Jews down to size. First, it didn't start out with, let's murder them all, of course. It started out with, let's put them... I mean, they had all kinds of different plans, like Madagascar, that was one. Send them to Madagascar. But ultimately, I mean... We had a kind of, we had a similar plan here. Here's another part of American history that we never hear of. We only, this isn't inscribed in the Lincoln Memorial, how Lincoln wanted them all to get the hell out. They wanted, he he brought them to the White House, brought representatives of African Americans to the White House to tell them to get the F out. (laughs) And then he tried to make a deal with the South that they could keep slaves until the year 1900. If only they put down their arms, stop fighting, you know, like they were bipartisan, reaching across the aisle, bipartisanship. One of the most, here we go, here we go, because of this, oh, wait, wait, wait. Because they were already black, uh, I mean, the black people were already oppressed and poor, he says, but then in Germany, by contrast, where the Jews, as the Nazis imagined it, were rich and powerful, it wasn't necessary to, it was, excuse me, it was necessary to take more severe measures. Because of this, Nazis were more interested in how the U.S. had designed or, excuse me, I read it wrong, had designated Native Americans, Filipinos, and other groups as non-citizens, although they lived in U.S. territories. These models influenced the citizenship portion of the Nuremberg Laws, which stripped Jewish Germans of their citizenship and classified them as nationals. Oh, boy. But a component of the Jim Crow era that Nazis did think they could translate into Germany were the anti-miscegenation laws, which prohibited interracial marriages. 
in 38 in 30 of the 48 states. America had by a wide margin the harshest law of this kind, Whitman says. In particular, some of the state laws threatened severe criminal punishment for interracial marriage. That was something the radical Nazis were very eager to do in Germany as well. The idea of banning Jewish and Aryan marriages presented the Nazis with a dilemma. How, how could they tell who was Jewish and who was not? After all, race and ethnic categories are socially constructed. So, again, the Nazis looked to America. Connected with these anti-miscegenation laws was a great deal of American jurisprudence on how to classify who belonged to which race. The controversial one-drop rules stipulated that anyone with any black ancestry was legally black and could not marry a white person. Unreal. Laws also define what made a person Asian or Native American in order to prevent these groups from marrying whites. Notably, Virginia had a Pocahontas exception for prominent white families who claimed to be descendant from Pocahontas. <laughs> the Nuremberg Law, well, it's always to benefit, eh, you know, the rich white people. The Nuremberg Laws, too, came up with a system of determining who belonged to what group, along the, along, allowing the Nazis to criminalize marriage and sex between Jewish and Aryan people. Rather than adopting a one-drop rule, the Nazis decreed that a Jewish person was anyone who had three or more Jewish grandparents, which means that the American racial classification laws were, get ready, much harsher than anything the Nazis were were willing to introduce in Germany. It should come of no surprise then that the Nazis weren't uniformly condemned in the U.S. before the country entered the war. In early 1930s, in the early 1930s, American eugenicists welcomed Nazi ideas about racial purity and republished their propaganda. Here comes Tara Jr. Jr. American aviator Charles Lindbergh accepted a swastika medal from the Nazi party in 1938. Once the U.S. entered the war, though, it took a decidedly anti-Nazi stance. But, the, but black American troops noticed the similarities between the two countries and confronted them head-on with a double V campaign. Its goal? Victory abroad against the Axis powers and victory at home between... <laughs> between at home, excuse me against Jim Crow. Yeah. There we go. Where is that? Yes, what was Black America's Double War? By Henry Louis Gates. Originally posted at The Root. We read all about Robert Smalls, the slave who sailed himself to freedom and then became the first black Navy captain during the American Civil War, five years before the first Memorial Day. Black leaders felt that African Americans could make the strongest case for freedom 
and citizenship if they demonstrated their heroism and commitment to the country on the battlefield, as they had done since 5,000 black men fought for the patriot cause in the American Revolution. This is a story we hear again and again. America, they well, it never, it never accepted African American GIs, veterans as equal. No one put this more forceful, forcefully than Frederick Douglass did in the middle of the Civil War. Once, let the black man, this is a quote, get upon his person the brass letters U.S. Let him get an eagle on his button and a musket on his shoulder and a bullet in his pocket, and there is no power on earth or under the earth which can deny that he has earned the right to citizenship in the United States. Uh, This really (sighs) touches me as well. Haven't haven't our African-American brothers and sisters earned the right to be heard When uh, when people say Black Lives Matter, yeah, that's the least you can do. Is these these Trump and Z's can do is listen, try to understand where, why. Of course, they would never understand. They don't see the hypocrisy. Hmm. Oh, brother, this country is so fucked up. Where am I? Where are you? I'm trying to find you. Oh, wow. Traverse J, thank you for your super chat in two. Two super chats. Yes. Greg says Agent Orange probably has a swastika tattoo on his fat ass. Of course he does. There... They're, they don't have the maturity to look at themselves. Otherwise, I mean, I've, I've proposed this here. It's psychological. It goes, it comes down to racism, but it also, it's people. The, the built-in denial. If, for example, like when Bob Woodward was talking to Twitler and saying, and referencing his own white privilege. And Twitler's response was, oh, you really bought that bullshit. You swallowed that bullshit, or however he put it. It's not bullshit. Of course it's he doesn't have the self-awareness to, to understand that he was born on third base thinking he hit a triple. You know, some people are born on third base and they get it. But if he understood his privilege, he, he would also have to understood, understand that we all, I mean, he'd really have to grasp his inadequacies. With all that privilege, he's still, he's still bankrupted six times. He still sucks as, as, a, as a businessman, as a as a human man. Oh, God. How did it... Let's get back to the Trump antis, too. How? How stupid does somebody have to be 
to look at a con man who actually said openly that he will only accept the results of an election if he wins and follow that guy to to the destruction of the country to the destruction of the of democracy how i mean all right let's get back oh here's an aside i was going i want to talk about ted cruz's lawsuit just i'm looking at the time but here's just an aside an interesting little funny little not funny but whatever um little example of Republican sycophancy and uh, stupidity. They, somebody put Twitler's childhood home. Um, they're trying to they're trying to raise money to buy Twitler's home in Queens, here here in Queens. Somebody's gonna burn that fucking thing down. I'm telling you. I'm not I'm not saying people should do that, but I'm surprised. Especially if nobody's living there. It's kind of, I'm surprised it's still standing at this point. Because nobody, nobody wants to buy this piece of shit. So in a fittingly, he's from Curbed.com, Christopher Bonanno. In a fittingly grifty real estate move, the owners of Donald Trump's first home in Queens have started a GoFundMe to allow MAGA fans to buy the house as a gift to their man as he leaves office, whether he does voluntarily or not. The sellers want $3 million, after which they'll hand the keys to Trump so he can gold-plate it or turn it into a petite presidential library full of torn-up and taped-together memos. You know, because he rips everything, despite the presidential records act law that says everything has to be saved well rules laws that's for other people dictators don't abide by laws so as of this afternoon the campaign to raise that three million has only taken in 125 dollars let's see what it is up to now yeah it's still 125 dollars look here it is look at this shit Love Trump. Thank President Trump. Fuck you. What are we thanking him for? For what? Like, they never explain what socialism, what they hate about socialism, when they love it so much. What are we thanking him for? Coddling Nazis? Ripping babies from the arms of their mothers? Killing 300,000 of our fellow Americans and counting? Being a super spreader? Spreading ignorance? Killing democracy? I, I mean, what are we thanking him for? Look at these idiots. Anonymous. Anonymous. Anonymous, $5. Anonymous, $10. Put your name on it, dummies. Oh, Juke Beekenberg. Who the heck is this? Trump, you fuck Trump. Shame on you, Trump. People are putting their money. Uh, why are you putting $5 on this bitch? Oh, I guess is GoFundMe does, um, when, if they don't meet their goal, do the people get their money back? Is that it? Trump sucks dick. That's somebody who donated $5. 
Oh, well, why am I looking that up? Trump sucks dick. As if that's actually a person. I wanted to do this. Is this a person? Juke Beekenberg? Let's see if this is a real person. Yeah, I don't think so. What in the hell? Love Trump. Thank you, President Trump. Thank President Trump by contributing to this campaign to buy his childhood home in his honor. Oh, we got to honor the con man, you see? He's, he doesn't get enough uh, suckling on his taint by a cult of anti-democratic morons. Potential uses for the childhood home of the president, of the so-called son of a bitch president, the, the less vote getting president. A presidential library? A presidential museum. How about um, a frozen morgue so we can put bodies in? Since there, there are so many corpses being made, we can't keep up with it. How about something like that? A national historic site. Yeah, good luck. Not, in, not here, honey. A presidential center? A trophy property. Yeah, look. Hey, that's the the son of a bitch's home from childhood. Let's fill in the blank. I, I, I highly doubt it will stand. You know what Hitler's bunker is today? It's a parking lot. They paved over it. They don't want any... I mean, of course, Berlin was destroyed. We don't need any pilgrimage spots for these freaking fascist bastards. Fascism is um, un-American. You know? America is Antifa. Of real patriots are Antifa. That GI that opened up the hatch, the latch, however you call it, of his tank and lifted that young Jewish refugee who only knew the three words, God bless America, that, that guy was an Antifa. A house of worship. Oh my God! Why do you need a him ha his house as a house of worship? You just just speak to Trump wherever you are in the world. You don't need a big temple. Trump always hears you. And you just say, G G Jesus, Trump, help me. Pray. He always hears you, no matter where you are. A single family home. Who wants to live in that home where teenage Trump did his his most prolific masturbating? That's what we need. Get I I propose we bulldoze it. How's that? And then maybe we plant a a tree. No, just let the weeds grow. I propose maybe a corpse, a uh, a cemetery. Of Twitler's 
uh, so, just some of Twitler's victims. Uh, not all of them can fit there, of course. Maybe Herman Cain. We could put him there. Oh, God. I had a really good childhood. I want to buy it. I want to buy it, he says. Oh, you son of a bitch. Then buy it. You're a billionaire, right? Aren't you a billionaire? I had a really good childhood. I want to buy it. I want to buy it, he said. President Trump said, discussing his childhood home with Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show. Watch the clip here. No thanks. Follow us on Instagram and be notified of special announcements. Okay, let's see. Paramount Realty. Oh, my God. Look at this shit. By President Donald J. Trump. His home. Auction. Whether you love him, hate him, or love to hate him. No, bitch. I love America. It is the patriotic duty of all people who love America to hate the fascist, less vote-getting, tax-cheating, draft-dodging, pathological-lying, dictator-envying con man who received fewer votes. Oh, yeah, I said that already. It is, it's the patriotic duty to hate him, not love him. Just like it's, a, it's the patriotic ju duty of every German to hate Hitler. How about, what are we going to write to this person? By President Donald, how about... I can't, no. I was going to write drop dead. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you can say. Oh, bye. How about, how about a, how about use it as a giant freezer to hold some of the corpses he's made by being a tax, well, no, by being a liar. A lying scum? Mm, that's too easy. A lying con man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Who? A lying con man parasite, yes. Wait, a lying con man whose only ability is to suckle dictator D-I-C capitalized dictate or suckle yes suckle dictators and mm, latch his rapacious <laughs> gullet greed gullet Yes, that's better. On our, on America's, eh, on our federal treasury. Okay, there you go. Post.
I like when we post things together. Of course it disappears. Oh, no, there it is. Oh, I thought it took a second. How come nobody else has replied? I'm sure they will remove it. Love him or hate him. Look at this. Love him or hate him. It is the patriotic duty of all Americans, of all normal patriotic Americans to hate the con man. Tra the traitorous con man, yes. Boom. All right. Look at this shit. Love him or hate him. What's with this? With the thumbs up. That's like the white man gang sign or something. The fake billionaire, the fake businessman, con man gang sign. Yeah, yeah. Thumbs up. Nothing to see here except the corpses. Don't look at the corpses. Look at the, I made a vaccine. I called it Operation Warp Speed. So therefore, um, nobody's ever seen, like nobody's ever seen Operation Warp Speed. Never mind everything else I've done, meaning nothing, like going golfing and telling people that, oh, we're rounding the corner, we're rounding the corner. Remember when I wanted everybody to, get together on Easter Sunday because it was it would just be such a great beautiful day to pretend there's no death coming like nobody's ever seen like nobody's ever seen unbelievable why what why do, why is this happening who's meowing who's that who is that that's Ray why is my computer beach balling? I don't like it. Wait a minute. Hmm. Is this working? No. I want everything open by Easter. Oh my God, remember that? Because it's just a beautiful day, Easter. It's a very special day to me. It's a very special day. Yeah, we know how you love Easter. Yeah, we know how, how religious you are. Easter. What day is Easter? It's an Easter Sunday, of course. What's, what, what, what is the date? I mean, he knows nothing. I mean, what do I know? And here's... Oh, wait, remember how it was going to be a, just a cleaning? It's going to disappear. One day, it's like a miracle. It will disappear. But just the other day, they came out with a statement that 85% of the people that wear masks catch it. Well, so, you know, they this didn't is say a that. I know tricky, that study. That's, well, that's, that's, that's what I heard. And then that's I see the I disinfectant heard. where it knocks it out in a minute. In a minute? In a minute. Why are and we having a, a pandemic? Do something like that uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning. It affects almost a cleaning? virtually nobody. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, nobody. Only, it just affects virtually nobody. A bunch of nobodies. 
If you were somebody, you'd have free health care at Walter Reed. So, as the article says about Twitler's house, the building has been bought twice during these grim four years, apparently by buyers who saw it as a potential growth asset. Not long before the inauguration in 2017, it went for $1.4 million, and then it was auctioned within months to another buyer, to a Chinese investor for $2.14 million. Com- comparable houses nearby sell for considerably less than that. It was offered at auction again last year and failed to sell, which perhaps explains why the owner's trying the, this GoFundMe scheme. You could rent the house for as an overpriced Airbnb for a while. See, nobody wants to touch the con man. Anything to do with it. Look at this shit. Donald Trump's childhood queen's home appears as a $725 a night Airbnb rental. Please. According to the Times Ledger, a house appeared recently on the short-term rental site with a $725 a night asking price. Yeah, come on. There's also Trump memorabilia and frame quotes scattered throughout the place. Fuck you. God. It's so tedious, these fuckers. Donald J. Trump's child at home. It is not the first time someone has used the proximity to Trump as a selling point. Who cares? Oh, my God. One day. That's why nobody wants to touch it. Nobody will. Okay. Let me explain again. This, he's not going to age well. And I don't mean, and I, well, he's figuratively, literally. Yes, that's true. But I'm talking figuratively. This whole thing, it's not going to age well. None of the Republicans, they're not going down in history as the William Wallaces of the, of the day. Freedom! Unreal. 17 states. Here, let's just get to this and then we'll, we'll call it a night. 17 states and Trump joined Texas's lawsuit and they should all be ashamed. Really? Hold on. Well, today, well, first let's just put this in context. Today, all 50 states certified Biden's win. State certification came as Trump baselessly claimed that the election was rigged and sowed doubt about the outcome of the presidential race. Dozens of lawsuits challenging the results have been dismissed at the state and federal level across the country since November, since the November election, excuse me. Each state has different processes, blah, 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 blah. Of course, Twitler went on a tweet storm that all had to be tagged as lies by Twitter. No candidate 
has ever won both Florida and Ohio and lost. I won them both. Supreme Court. Hashtag Supreme Court. Sh by a lot. Yeah, a lot of dumbasses in Ohio and Florida, that's for sure. Hashtag overturn. Really? Oh, because black people voted and that doesn't count. He's also trying to stop, and, and the Republicans are trying to stop, the, the special election in Georgia. This is why we have to win Georgia. If we don't win Georgia, it's really gone. We're done. So he very excitedly tweeted at 6.15, Wow! At least 17 states have joined the Texas lawsuit. Where is it? It just went away. Against the greatest election fraud in the history of the United States. <laughs> oh, my God. Sh proving again, like, <laughs> proving again what Tara... From Tara Buster always says that in every Republican heart, in every Republican chest beats the heart of fascism. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to make a major announcement today. I would like to promise and pledge to all of my voters and supporters and to all of the people of the United States that I will totally accept the results of this great and historic presidential election if I win. Traitors. Secede. Okay, so from the Dallas News, 17 states. Oh, don't give me this. Dallas News. Of course. All of a sudden, a damn paywall went up. You, everything is a paywall now. You understand? That's why I ask you to become a patron, because part of everything else. Who cares? Whatever. Maybe one day I'll just get tired and say, F it. It's tired of asking. Tired of doing. Just go away. Maybe. I don't know. Whatever, who cares? Nobody cares, that's it. 17 states and Trump joined Texas lawsuit to reverse, of course. What the fuck is it? I have articles. I do, I do. I, I subscribe to so many publications because of the show. But all these articles... I'm not gonna I'm not gonna subscribe to every damn every I can't. I can't afford it. Texas joined I, I wonder if Diamond and Silk have this problem. Probably not. Texas joined by seventeen states, red states, in Supreme Court lawsuit to overturn Trump's election defeat. Texas has let's see, where is it? Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who is a real winner. He's another one. A Trump and Z through and through. 
He's under an FBI investigation, by the way. Of course they are. They're all a bunch of criminals. But I, I, but I see the future. I bet you a pardon is coming for, the, for him. That's why he's doing this, too, on top of uh, being just a fascist piece of shit. Excuse my language. I guess the Narcosin thing is it's a struggle. The struggle is real. As 17 states, all of which supported the outgoing con man, have now filed an amicus brief in support of the case to throw out Biden's, Mr. Biden's win in those four states. Mr. Paxton claims that COVID-related changes to election procedures in the states violated federal law. Bullshit. Yeah, because if you vote... Voting violates federal law to these people. If you don't vote for the right person, quote-unquote, right meaning fascist, unreal. Uh, they would have no problem, of course. They don't, they don't have any problem with the state's Twitler one. Mr. Paxson claims that, Paxton claims that the COVID-related changes to election procedures violated federal law and he wants the supreme court to block those states in the electoral college also giving fuel to the fire to the trump and who are who are like the brown shirts except they're angrier and stupider they're i mean which is a low bar that's for sure and racist or <laughs> more racist yes Nazism, fascism, now with more racism. That's your Trump and Z. Lawyers and backers of the president have suffered long, a long string of defeats in courtrooms across the country in their attempts to deny Mr. Biden his legal victory. The amicus brief was led by Missouri, according to reports. Well, Missouri, get the F out. How's that? Secede, Missouri. Let's see, Missouri receives how much tax dollars than it puts in federally dependent states. Let's see where Missouri... Oh, well, it's 17. It's score, let's see, in the dependency rank. Hmm, how are they figuring this out? It's the 17th most dependent. So, it's pretty up there. So, definitely, it receives more than it puts in. More of my blue state dollars, so... Get the F out. How's that? Other states whose attorneys general signed on include Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Montana, Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, and West Virginia. 
Bye bye. Wouldn't that's my dream secession team. Get out. I do feel bad. I know Bob Kincaid lives in West Virginia. He says it's beautiful country. What the ones that the part of the country that is isn't being raped by, you know, massy coal mines and whatnot. But yeah, we could figure something out. You could stay on my couch, Bob. In his lawsuit filed to the Supreme Court on Tuesday, Mick Stapaxton claimed that the four states broke the law by allowing black people to have equal protection, equal voting or something. I don't know. They're only three-fifths of a person. I'm an originalist. Who's that? Ray Ray? Did you hear Ray? He's so cute. He talks a lot. He goes, hmm. Ray, come on up, honey. Ray, Ray, you don't listen, though. Ray, he's not even looking. Ray, come here, boo-boo. Ray, Ray. <laughs> Ray, he's the worst of all. Of all the cats, he doesn't listen. Ray, Ray. Come here, boo-boo. Only when food comes, he, then he listens. Look what you did! Okay, Ray has a problem. Like I have a problem collecting napkins. He has a problem murdering napkins. He's done it again. You murdered my napkins, honey. <laughs> Look, he's got a napkin in his mouth. Seen? I think uh, you don't have to be Lieutenant Benson understand. Oh my god, it's in your mouth, honey. Or Captain Benson now from SVU. Look at this cat. Is he the cutest? Yes, you are. You're very cute. I know. I can't help it. I know where his mouth has been. He's got to do his job. This is basically it. Right? This is your job. Mwah, mwah, mwah. <laughs> he's the cutest. All right, you getting tired of me? Look, he's falling asleep. Oh, funny. Say hello. This is our Black Lives Matter cat. Uh-oh. His little tail is going. Look at how cute he is, though. All right, bye-bye. You can't help it. My blood pressure went down. That was good. That's his job. Mr. Paxton claims that four states broke the law by allowing black people to vote. Oh, no, he said uh, by changing their election policies to actually count votes. Oh, yeah. You see that it happens? You're allowed to vote, just it's not fair when the votes are counted, like in every third world autocratic country. That's what they do. You know, you can vote, but who counts the votes? <laughs> and that's really what they're arguing. 
Especially when black people vote. It's not good. Then what happens then? I don't know. White people, the the, the dumbasses. What do they think is going to happen? Well, uh, Trump won't save your suburbs from... Help me. Help me. Sometimes it's, it's overwhelming seeing the matrix. Georgia Republican Secretary of State Brad Reffensperger has rejected the claim that the deadline... Let's see. The, that deadline should not cement a potentially illegitimate election result in the middle of the storm that we've faked. So our con man can be the president. You know, it's not fair. He didn't receive the most votes in 2016, and he got to be the so-called president. What's the difference now? Oh, it's now the the election. They They couldn't steal it. It wasn't close to, I mean, it was close in the Electoral College. The allegations in the lawsuit are false and irresponsible, says Georgia's Deputy Secretary of State, Jordan Fuchs. Texas alleges that there are 80,000 forged signature on absentee ballots in Georgia, but they didn't bring forward a single person who this happened to because it didn't happen. The Michigan Attorney General, Donna Nessel, dismissed Paxson's suit as a publicity stunt. Well, that won't stop them. And it incites the fascist freaks who are out there threatening decent people who are doing their jobs and trying to have a function, help us have a functioning democracy. It shouldn't, you shouldn't have death threats if the democracy is functioning. So he's under Ken Paxton is under FBI investigation. He's such a winner. Let's see. Of course, the Supreme Court threw out his bullshit. But Paxton, a Republican, has backed the Trump administration in court time and time again, supporting Twitler's policies like eradicating the Affordable Care Act, you know, because he's a patriot and he wants fellow Americans to die like a good patriot. While combating progressive priorities, progressive priorities, like voting rights. This is what it says. Progressive priorities like voting rights. Why is that a progressive uh, priority? That should be an American priority, but like I say, we're talking about, we're not, it's not about progressivism. This is about patriotism. Progressivism is patriotism. And what we're talking about, what we need, these policies, like everyone in, nobody out, expanding voting protections, leaving no one behind in sickness and ignorance, Funding education through our, not our property taxes, but our, our general fund taxes. Think higher education, universal higher education, universal health care, living wages, 
retirement security, as a right. These are patriotic imperatives. Taxing the rich. High marginal tax rates. Patriotic imperatives. How about we just give it a shot? Humorous. Let's go back to Eisenhower's socialist policies and we'll see what happens. That's it. Just humorous for four years or so. If we're wrong, we'll go back to your kiss-up, kick-down, trickle-down Reaganomics and Clintonomics. How's that? Deal? Other than that, you oh, no deal? Then secede. Goodbye. Then bye. Take your seven, you and your 17 loser states and get out. It's not losers. No, there are normal people there. I'm sorry, but hey. You gotta be kidding me. Little Ray is sitting on my my feet. I gotta watch him. He's he walks by my feet a lot. And I don't want to step on him. Let's see. This fall, Paxson's own staff accused him of an e- of even more serious crimes on October first. Seven senior staff members asked federal law enforcement to investigate the attorney general for violating federal and or state law, including prohibitions related to improper influence, abuse of office, bribery, and other potential criminal offenses. Well, that's the Republican way. You tell me. This is why Republicans get in office. To enact, to, uh, to enact, um, what is it? Not enact, to, to, uh, what's the word? I don't know. I can't think. It's getting late. To push their improper influence, abuse of office. Well, uh, that's why they're in power. That's why they run for office. Or when they get appointed to office, it is to abuse power. Abusing power is why they're put in office. If he's an attorney general, he's there because he abuses power, and that's what they want. They're not, he's not in there to represent the people. He's there to F you over. Improper influence, that's why, that's the whole Republican agenda. That's the Republican Party. Abuse of abuse of office. That's th- across the board. That's Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, all of them. Ted Cruz. Bribery. Yes. The group was led by Jeff Matier Matier, who served as Paxson's uh, top assistant before resigning. Matier said. Well, he has sterling GOP bona fides. In 2017, Trump nominated him to the federal bench, but he withdrew after CNN reported that he had derided transgender children as part of Satan's plan. Oh, my God, these people. These scums. Do you understand how scum on the scum, on the cancer, on the scum they are? 
derided transgendered children as part of Satan's plan. Yeah, well, there ain't enough dead, suicided children around for Republicans. You know, the pee-pee patrol got to worry about whose pee-pee is doing what and if it's clothed appropriately and if somebody who happens to be born transgendered and they have the courage to live authentic lives and maybe they don't have asshole parents who, you know, they love their child and they don't want their child to suicide themselves in spite of this racist-ass, homophobic-ass, transgendered-ass goddamn country flooded with trump So, they nurture and try to love their, their child, love them through whatever, whatever they're dealing with, in spite of the Trump and Z hate floating around in this country, just going at them left and right, flooding this country. These people are cowards, transgendered children as part of Satan's plan. Aren't they nice? They don't care that, I mean, the transgendered people are, you know, they're the latest victims in the barrel. They don't get enough bang for their buck anymore going after gays, just regular old LGB people. They go after the T people, right? Because there's a lot of misinformation. They would never, you know, don't ever wait. Don't hold your breath waiting for uh, any Republican uh, even the good ones. How about Mitt Romney? He's supposed to be one of the good ones. Don't wait for them to educate the dum-dums. Tell them stop being a bunch of dum-dums. Hateful dum-dums. Because oh, according to them, you know, their, their Jesus wants them to drive other human beings to suicide. Oh, I hate them. Oh, what are you doing, Ray? Stop that. It's my microphone. He's pulling on the cord. The crazy kid. Oh, my God. In the, in 2019, the FBI, wait, where am I? Where am I? This guy, he's a real gem. The FBI raided Paul's mansion. Hmm. Wait, 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 wait. I didn't say who Paul is. In a leaked text message, this person, Nate Paul, told Paxson that the complaints involved his relation... Oh, no, no, no. Excuse me. Matier's letter did not explain the allegations against Paxson, but in a leaked message, he told Paxson that the complaints involved his relationship and activities with Nate Paul, a real estate developer in Austin. Paul donated $25,000 to Paxton's 2018 campaign. Oh, gosh. 
while Paxton was having an affair with an aide to GOP senator, well, well, you know, Jesus and all, sanctity of marriage and uh, family values, he encouraged Paul to hire his mistress. In recent years, you know, many of Paul's businesses have declared bankruptcy like his hero leading to legal disputes with creditors. One conflict involved the MITTE, the M-I-T-T-E Foundation, a nonprofit that provides grants and scholarships to lower-income students, which is probably just another ruse like Twitler's charities, veterans' charities, and childhood cancer charities that he stole from. Oh, my God, these people. How do they follow them? Really? Do, this is it's beyond comprehension. Oh, God. God, oh God, oh God. I'm trying to find this one thing. Man, there's so many other things. It never stops. No, I lost it. All right. Well, the guy's a piece of wasted human DNA. They're uh, corrupt. I don't know how they could put one foot in front of the other for all the bullshit and corruption weighing them down. Well, well, well. Listen. Listen, listen, listen. I'm seeing it's late. And you know what? I got to get unconscious. Hopefully tomorrow I'll do another show. Would you you want me to do a show or does it does this show suck? What do you think? I mean, I know it's blurry. I, I know the show is blurry, but is this a show that you want to see? I'm asking. I'm asking for a friend, really. Or should this show just, eh, should the show just go, go away, like, and let the diamond and silks of the world and the Tommy Lawrence and the Candace Owens and the C.J. Pearsons of the world. Just let them, let them, I mean, if they must be popular for a reason. Couldn't have anything to do with right-wing billionaires funding them, I know. Just must be the popularity of what they're peddling. You know what? I, I found it shocking, too. I was looking up like the top 10. Well, it came up. There was this thing called Chartable. Chartable. Like, shows you all the podcasts that are trending or in the top 10. And you know who was in the top? It was unbelievable. Of course, there was Serial Podcast and pod save america that was one 
Then there was Charlie Kirk. And who else? It was three of the most ugly, ugly, freaking fascist, racist bastards. Who's the other two? Charlie Kirk was one. Fucking, anyway, it doesn't matter, but you know what I'm saying. Three ugly, racist, white morons. Let's see. Where's Chartable? I'm looking it up in my email. Weekly update. Let's see if this is it. Nah, I don't know. Who are the other one? Charlie Kirk. And then I know I, if somebody mentioned it, I'll know. Let's see. Charlie. I'll look up Charlie Kirk and I'll see what comes up. Usually we'll give you different. Charlie Kirk. You know, it gives you alternates or something. People also look for whatever, whatever. Let's see. But anyway, yeah, the point is, what? Why are these people, they're in the top 10 podcasts. That's why we're in big, big trouble in this country. Because you have liars like that that have giant platforms. And it's sort of like a perpetual motion machine. They get funded by right-wing billionaires who um, attract listeners to them, and then more listeners get, um, you know, start listening to them from there because then, oh, they seem, oh, must be popular for a reason. And that's the reason. They get... They're not stupid, these billionaires. They understand that they're not on they're not on the side of truth, justice, and the American way. They're on their own side. And they need to get us, the normal people, the American people, fighting amongst each other so they can continue. I mean, that's the game. It was exactly how we started the show. This whole the race game, the divide and conquer game. They can't do it. They don't just do it by pushing policies. If they did, they would never get away with it. They need to have to give this whole class war, this kiss up, kick down, racist ass class war, the um, apparent average Joe stamp of approval. That's how they do it. So everywhere the average person goes, they will encounter this fucked up message, that that filthy fascist message. They're not going to encounter the message of me talking about or exposing, or I'm not exposing it myself. We, we know the game. But talking about the, this whole construct of race and how it fits into the decline of the American working class. Well, you don't hear that on Charlie Cook, Kirk's show. Or who was the other one? Michael, Michael Savage? 
What's the other fucking guy's name? Oh, it's really bothering me. Oh, anyway. Turning points. Michael Savage. Oh, yes. Ben Shapiro. That's the other one. Ben Shapiro. Michael Savage and Charlie Kirk podcast. All in the top ten. Like, really? We, that's what America is longing to hear. F three white assholes who don't know a goddamn... They, they wouldn't... They haven't met a dictator they haven't suckled up to. They haven't met a... Um, a race riot they haven't stoked. They haven't met a vulnerable, hungry person they haven't mocked and humiliated. These fucking people. You know, get it? How ugly that is? And how... What we're doing here is... It's everything. I hate to tell you. It's true. We don't, if we don't expand and get our message, and if it's not, if not me, the other liberal, the real liberal media talk shows, we're done. The country has no, we have no shot in hell. We're, okay, whatever. All right, it's almost midnight. Listen, listen, listen. Did we get a vote? Do we want a show tomorrow? Okay, I get one yes. Greg says yes. Me too, Eva. Eve says. All right, bastards, all right. Well, I shouldn't say bastards. I didn't mean that. Because Randy Rhodes says that. I'm not trying to be like Randy Rhodes. Look at Ray. He's destroying the house. All right. Paradou. All right, guys. Well, you have to do me a favor. How about this? Between now and tomorrow, you, I'm asking you nicely. Um, I'm tired, too. Because you know what happened? You hear the cat? I mean, I love him. Whatever. This is, it's great. I love the, I love them all. But little Ray, he's a child. He's a baby. This is his. As soon as I start winding down, he go. He go. He goes nuts. I want to sleep. He goes insane. So now he's gonna run. I hope it doesn't bother the people below me. So far, they've never knocked on my door, but I can't imagine what it sounds like downstairs, of him running from room to room, because he makes a lot of noise and he's he's got toys. So he's playing with whatever toys he's destroying. He's playing at murder. That's what he's doing. He's pretending to kill, running from room to room. But I'm sure it sounds loud here, so I can't imagine what it sounds like downstairs. And he's great. But let's see. How about tomorrow in case you don't want to wait until Saturday? Yes, I'm going to try. Uh, but here's what I like to do. Of course, this whole Patreon challenge is... Not happening because 
we're bleeding patrons. Now we're going in the opposite direction. So somebody becomes a patron. That'll be great. That'll be, of course, yes, we will definitely do a show. But we'll also, I'm trying to do more shows, blah, 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 whatever. Who cares? Um, how about each one of you um, maybe tell a friend about the show? How's that? That's all. Invite them. Say, hey, have you heard this show? It's great. I love it. We join. We are get together during the night, around eight o'clock, eight thirty, and it's fun. Great chat room. Meet a lot of great people. They have a. There's a Discord page. All right, you guys are great. Thank you, guys. Hank on Facebook. Hello, Kay. And you guys are great. All right. Listen, 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 listen. We'll do that. Do that. I'm going to ask tomorrow. All you got to do, tell a friend. In the meantime, I'm going to get unconscious. You can see I'm almost faded out right now. I feel so tired all of a sudden. I hope it's not COVID. And then I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, I've been careful, but so, so have other people. And I don't want this shit, especially when it feels like we're, we might be seeing the very dim light at the end of the tunnel. And I certainly don't want to get sick now. You can't. You really can't. Because the system is so overtaxed. There's no room for you. All right. Guys, 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 guys. Thank you for hanging out. My name is Tara Devlin. <clears throat> I can't talk and I can't speak sometimes. But we do a show. We do it anyway. We don't have big billionaire benefactors. We just have you. So become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. And tell your friends about the show. Thank you all for your super chats to, in tonight's show. Thank you, J.D., and Jim, and Errol, and Richard, and Traverse, Jay, thank you so much. We'll keep doing it, because that's what is going to help us take this country back. And we know how much work we got to do. In the meantime, remember, we are on the right side of history. We're on the right side of decency dignity and democracy and we will win we stick together we win my name is tara devlin and hopefully i'll see you tomorrow night